everybody out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes into the people, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Mac, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ross. Mac, great to be here today. We are going to talk all about Charles Soule's four-issue run of The Rise of Kylo Ren, the Marvel comic that tells us some of the story of how Ben Solo falls to the dark side and becomes this master of evil Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about it in some excruciating detail. Yes. We are going to give away uh, spoilers, not only for the comics, but for a few of the novels and a few other bits of information. So if you'd like to remain spoiler free, I know this is a comic run that just ended last month. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's pretty fresh. You know, we wanted to give a little bit of space for people to get a chance to lead the, read the last issue or two. But uh, if you'd like to remain spoiler free, now might be a good time to go read those and then come back and listen. Or yeah. if you'd like to hear about them and our opinions and thoughts before you read, stick around because uh, I really enjoyed these issues and I'd love to talk about it. No, they're really good. And um, to your spoiler warning. Because of how important they are to Star Wars, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of other Star Wars stuff with it. Like I already, I already can think of at least two things I want to reference that will be ruining other the ends to other things. So, yeah. again, spoiler warning as loud as we can possibly have. Um, we are going to go through them issue by issue. We're going to yes. spend a handful of minutes per issue kind of going through what's going on in that issue. But I think just because of the nature, we've both already read all of it, we'll probably be... You know, hey, this is issue one, which sets up what happens in issue four. Like, so don't think that you can like, I'll read, I'll read, the, read listen to the first segment and then I'll read issue one. Don't. I really encourage you to read all of them. It's a good arc. It yeah. flows one into each other. Uh, they're all available out there. You can get them in print or digital. So it's pretty quick and painless, too. So go check it out. If comic books aren't your thing, then by all means, if you want to get the sort of Reader's Digest version of it, we will be basically going beat by beat through it. So We will, very much so. So uh, stick around. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Okay, so if you happen to skip over our introduction today and just went right to topic one, here's a little refresher on what we're doing. We're going to review and go through the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, uh, Mm -hmm. all four issues of it. We're going to do one issue at a time, one issue per topic today. And basically, we're going to go through the entire comic book. So if you didn't hear me say this a moment ago... Spoilers to follow for The Rise of Kylo Ren, all four issues. So just keep that in mind. There'll also be a few other spoilers sprinkled in from a few novels that we've had over the past few years and some other stuff like that. So just as a heads up one more time before we really dive in here. It's Star Wars All In. We're going to talk about all the things that are in here. We will. We will. 100%. Okay. So we open up in issue one with a shot of Ren. Now, this is our first time meeting this character. Right. Ren is the current leader of the Knights of Ren, if you're not yeah. familiar. Uh, Do we get a mention of what planet this is? It's like an icy world. It kind of reminds me of, was it Megiddo? Where 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 was, um, ah, I just, Kiramunde. It reminds me of the planet Kiramunde dies on. Oh, I remember that. Okay. Um, you know what? I don't think 
that it actually says what planet we're on because it just opens up with a long ago. That's true. Right? Yeah. Showing us that this is not taking place in the same timeline is what we'll be seeing here momentarily. Correct. Yeah, this is the backstory. We're we're essentially this whole sequence is assembling what the Knights of Ren are before Kylo. Yes. So essentially we open up and we see that the Knights are killing this entire security force around them. They're killing all these locals. And basically Ren is there to talk with Karst and his brother Phelan. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to choose to say them. Who knows Phelan, how they're actually Phelan, Phelan. Yeah, something like that. F-I-L-I-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, he wants Karst, Ren wants Karst to join the Knights because he can touch the shadow. Now, that's going to keep coming up throughout this comic book, and I found it yeah. a little odd. Uh, but basically, they're referring to the dark side of the Force as the shadow. I mean, that's how I interpret it, right? And in a fun way, they, they, they lay out their philosophy of how they see it. So not only do they have this other name for the dark side, they have this um, really anarchist view yeah. <laughs> of it. Like they're very much of like they look at the shadow almost like a wildfire and they just follow wherever it needs to burn. They are just this instrument of the shadow and like how they're they're very much about like, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad, if people deserve it or not. They just do what it commands them to do in this yeah. sort of just again, it what ends up feeling fairly crazy even though it's got a very nice wrapping of logic around it. <laughs> and I do also want to point out that uh while Ren is our lead character who we're going to get to know here yeah. before we uh really meet Kylo Ren, basically He refers to his lightsaber as Ren. You know, it has the name Ren. And basically, he's saying we're all truly in service to this. He is the only one of the Knights of Ren who wields a lightsaber. Yes. And it's it's strange that he does. Because he doesn't seem to be that... How should I put this? He he uses it... It reminds me of, like, when Finn uses it in Force Awakens. There's a certain level of, like... Oh, this is someone who's just a a force wrecking ball using a a lightsaber. This is not someone who's like trained. He doesn't know what form he probably fights in and stuff like that. You know what I mean? There's a raw, just kind of animalistic abuse of it. Because there's a part where he has it open, has it turned on, and he just has his hands like slightly wrapped around on it. You can almost feel like he's like enjoying the little flicks of heat coming off onto his hand. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, there's a certain there's a certain Mad Max quality. Very much so. Very much so. It's it's this weird combination of crazy and skilled because yes. obviously this guy can use the force. He's, you know, channeling that when he's fighting, and we'll talk about that more a little bit later. <laughs> well, but as he says it's kind of a requirement to join is that, to be able to influence the shadow. <laughs> Which is interesting because remember, we got this issue before we got the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So this was sort of our first confirmation that the Knights of Ren were all force sensitive. Yes. They're kind of like the inquisitors of their time in a way. Yeah. Um, but definitely less about the force and more about the killing. Yeah, and like I said, it, it, it also sets them up well as, again, they'll always be second bananas because of this idea of they look at themselves as instruments of the dark side. They don't see themselves as practitioners yes. or controllers of yes. it. 
Okay, so Ren tells Karst that uh, to join the knights, you know, he'd be happy to take them with him, but he needs to provide them a death first. And he says, well, I've killed all these other people. Why would you, you know, wh- why do we need that? And before Karst can do anything, uh, Phelan basically turns around and shoots him. Shoots his brother. Yes. And because Phelan can't use the force... Ren basically tells him, well, you've got a good spirit, kid, but unfortunately you can't uh, meet all the requirements. So It's kind of a requirement to join. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, stabs him. Yep. Executes him right there. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this there's this really selling the cavalier nature of the Knights of Ren. There's just this thing of like, oh, it didn't work out? Nah. We'll have to look for someone else. Snoke will provide another one, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe next time. Yeah. There's such a nonchalant about like, again, this entire like whatever it is like military outpost they've wiped out mm-hmm. plus the two people they came the the people they came here for they ended up murdering anyway like mm-hmm. it all is it it's all completely senseless and they're totally cold to it because they're just like this is our existence we just yeah go set fires and watch the world burn. they're marauders yeah I mean, ultimately that's what they are here that's how they're set up in this opening scene yeah that's a good way of putting it okay so now we jump to what oh. i'll describe oh go ahead one please. thing i also want to say about ren um actually no i'll save it for later there's okay. a better part where i can talk about it okay but ren- ren's interesting running around with his mask cape and pants and no shirt he's a no shirt kind of guy yeah we should i mean they're on an ice world here and he doesn't have a shirt on but we should describe ren a little bit he's wearing this sort of silver visor mask that covers his entire head his upper body looks like the entire thing has been burned and then yes. scarred over um he looks rough Let's put it that way. He looks and rough. unlike all of his other and all of his other members look very much like uh, we see them in the film. Yeah, none of them really look different. In black and silver armor. Yeah, that's a good point. None of them really have changed over the years. No. Okay, so now we cut to our present timeline, and this is sort of, I think, the story that everyone was expecting. It opens up with Ben outside of Luke's temple, sort of immediately after fighting his way out of the rubble and, uh, you know, believing he has killed Luke Skywalker. And he's looking up at the temple and it's got sort of like this hazy smoke around it. And he's kind of there staring at it like what's going on. And then all of a sudden the temple blows up. And this is our first sort of big plot twist that I think we probably weren't expecting here Mm -hmm. is it's showing us that basically he is not the one who destroys the temple. The temple is destroyed in some other way. Kind of. It's tough to tell. We're going to revisit this scene and he's going to have a little more guilt about it. Yeah. But right now we see Ben is just sort of scared, broken and running around. He's not really... This isn't a slaughter like we might have implied from Last Jedi. Right. Like what we were led to believe, you know, the, the, he's not actually out there uh, f- dueling with the other yeah, he's, apprentices. This is an Order 66. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, that, yeah. He's just trying to escape. And he seems to be, at least as far as we can tell, as confused about why the temple just exploded as we were <laughs> upon right. seeing the film. Right. Right. Basically. So. As Ben is watching the temple burn, a ship approaches carrying three of Luke's apprentices who are off world while this was happening. Hennix, Vo, and Ty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when you're looking at these apprentices, Mac, is this sort of what you envisioned when you heard about Luke's Jedi Academy? You know, is this kind of uh, well, what you were picturing? 
Oh, yes, especially when you consider the, all these folks are, you know, young adults and they've been training there since they were children. Like when we eventually see that, that's what all sing together. Like it mm-hmm. kind of surprised me that we've got these like 20 somethings because I'm like, I didn't think Ben seemed that old. I thought it was just maybe, you know, the di- what we had to do for a movie to allow, you know, our, our, our lead actor to also play a younger version of himself. We can only de-age him so much. Yeah. Like I thought he was maybe implied to be like 16 or 17. And now I see it's like, no, he's more like 21, 22. And yeah. sa- same with this group of people. Yeah. Um, and they're a good, they're, they're, yeah, they're what you expect. It's an eclectic group. Look, there is this, um, you know, really tough as nails kind of lady, Vo. And um, she is got the most firebrand of like, I can't sense Master Skywalker. What the hell has happened? Like, she's the most anxious, I guess, about all this stuff. Then you've got Ty, who's this, uh, you know, bald guy who's uh, got the very monkish like, well, we should figure things out. There must be an answer to this. He's the most reasonable one. And then you've got what is classic Star Wars. You've got the third character who's the alien. In this case, he's like um, he's a Quarian. And uh, I think it's cool because Koreans are usually fairly villainous in Star Wars history. So it's kind of cool to see a a positive note of him. And he's the one who's kind of, as the story goes on, has the more, I guess, mystic kind of view of Star Wars or or the Jedi. He's he's um, he's uh, he's got a little bit of that Obi-Wan Kenobi Yoda like talking in riddles because he he sees the force as this mystery puzzle. to be un yeah. yeah 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 they describe it later as a as a puzzle as a mystery to him he's trying to solve it i mean as they all are of course but yes yeah and he's so more get, into that spiritual side and so we're going to explore these more you kind of get a real quick frame up of each of one of their characters by the way they react to ben solo standing in front of the burning temple <laughs> vo's like what the hell happened you better explain yourself and i also want to point out here while we're talking oh, yeah. about it that they're flying in on a ship that is like a weird love child of a Y-Wing and an X-Wing and... We're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. Do you... Okay. Fair enough. We're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. Let's talk about this scene. So so this is the first time where we see Ben's anger kind of come out. That yeah. anger that we see um, when he's playing Kylo later. You know, basically, he says, I've killed Master Luke. And Vo accuses him of saying, you're not strong enough to do that. Right. And he basically looks at her and goes, Really? Really? You think I'm not strong enough to do this? And we get a very Anakin vibe here. They're very much, yeah, you're questioning my abilities, you know, that kind of Anakin feeling for sure. Um, And he basically is saying that Luke made us act like we're all equal, though, but you know that's not true. You know I was the best student. You know I was the strongest. Star pupil, yeah. Yeah. And he's basically trying to kind of enrage her, and she's really the only one who... Bites. I think doesn't want to believe that Ben is good or misguided here. She wants to basically believe that, oh, okay, here's all this destruction. You're the only one here standing. So it must be your fault. I'll it, kill you and I'll feel better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that's what happens. Um, so Vo and Hennex both draw their sabers on Ben as he tries to leave. And he's not trying to fight them here. He is antagonizing them a little bit, but it's really he more out of go. his... Yeah. He just wants to be left the hell alone. Yes, he's essentially trying to scare them away. Because even we see Ty sort of tries to de-escalate it. Ty's but... like, we could talk this out! As, like, <laughs> Hennix draws his lightsaber. And so both yeah. Hennix is like, well, if you're going to go after him, I'll join you. So Hennix is definitely the third in the politics. Yes. Ty's like, we need to understand him and figure out what happened Vo's like he did it kill him 
You're, yes. And Hennix is like, uh, I'm going to go with her. <laughs> uh, okay. So as Vo leaps into the fight, uh, then Ben uh, basically pushes her in the air back into Hennix. And as all three pupils turn to fight Ben, he basically hurls rocks and debris at them from the temple, injuring Hennix. And Ben goes to flee in his ship, the Grimtosh. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, um, I think that comes back in a later issue. They call it that, maybe. Okay. Uh, and I just went and added it into my notes here. But yes, no, no, the, the Grimtosh. Um, so this is an interesting ship as well. Yeah, we can break down the ships because basically from here he leaves orbit. He's he's exiting the planet. Um, they they grab Hennix and they have he has these terrible splinters in him and and ties unfocused. So his healing abilities aren't working the way they're supposed to. So they're like, well, we'll bring him back to the ship. It has a med bay. And as they're getting the med bay, Vo takes off in the ship after Kylo Ren. <laughs> so this is a good time to talk about the ship. So the Kylo ship is is weird in the sense it seems like two ships glued together. Yeah. Um because the front half you've got the the you've got, got a normal kind of cockpit. It's, it's almost reminiscent of this tie silencer mm-hmm. in the sense it's got this kind of hexagonal uh very um what would you call it a uh, very uh, separatist style bridge kind of compartment. And then it's attached to a fairly normal ship with this nice big like C-section arc that arcs back towards the forward. Then it's got these two engines strapped to the front of it. Hmm. Um, it, it it's, it's got a weird design because it's obviously trying to show you that it's like a freighter and it's got a little bit of, of you know, a skeletal um, Millennium Falcon to it. But again, that hexagonal shaped uh, cockpit definitely screams a lot more separatist, a lot more bad guy. I would agree with that. It does have that that striking of that bad guy ship because it's got like these weird arms reaching out almost in the front, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's got this sort of half semicircle that wraps around the back. But that semicircle doesn't provide the thrusters. The thrusters are almost behind that. Yeah, and it's weird because, again, the giant things in the front look like like a pod racer. Like, oh, they put the thrusters on the front of the ship, and then those don't turn out to be the main thrust of the ship. So, like I said, it's kind of weird. It does actually sort of remind me, um, it, it kind of brings me a little bit of happiness. It reminds me of the old um, Dark Horse comics. One of the things that, like, one of my favorite franchises, which is the uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the mm-hmm. Tales of the Jedi stuff is, is, especially in the Dark Horse comics, the ships were weird. They took the idea of like, well, if someone can fly the Millennium Falcon, this thing where 80% of it is to your left, <laughs> like, and that's a, that's a viable ship design in this universe, then sure, we're going to make this thing called the Nebulon Ranger, which is basically like a lean-to, like the entire side of it is a wing, and then there's this little tiny cockpit attached to it, like lots of weirder designs. Now, this will get to, does it have a name, the good guy ship? I couldn't find one. I tried searching for a name. I, I couldn't find one. It's kind of weird weird that it doesn't have a name since it's used like four times. We even see it in the past eventually. Yeah. Um, so the thing about this thing is um, I'm mad at it. I'm just going to be blunt. I'm okay. mad at it. And the reason is because so Kylo Ren gets into something that's obviously a freighter. It uses the design language we need from Star Wars. The bottom of the main hull has that sort of like... Um, those metal plates sort of scooping up in a bowl that we're used to from like the outrider and the millennium Falcon and all these other ships. And when he gets in, he gets in on this big cargo ramp 
right? And he gets walks into a giant cockpit where there's like four seating positions with Gigi, his robot and stuff. Like, it makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They get into a Y-wing that had a baby with an X-wing and then suddenly it has room for a medical bay and four people to sit in the cockpit. It doesn't make any sense because they're using the external design language of what we called back in Legends, we called them uglies. And an ugly was a lot of uh, rebel pilots had to scoop together what they had. So it would have like the fuselage of a Z-95 headhunter and then it would have a Y-wing front to it and it would have an A-wing cannon on one side and it would be very asymmetrical and very ugly, hence the name. But when you look at their ship, their ship is 100% a Y-wing cockpit attached to an X-wing fuselage, which on the starboard side has the double S-foils of an X-wing, and on the other side has an additional main engine, and it's only an engine because it runs the length from the front to back, because you can see the parts of an X-wing engine there, and it's got one like X-wing cannon that's been stunted and shorted attached to the side. And in this one uh, clip, you can even see when they're all boarding their ships, basically. Mm -hmm. This is so interesting. Okay. Because in one shot, Mac, in one panel, there's a ladder going up to the cockpit of the Y-Wing, X-Wing contraption. Yeah, because you can see there's more than one of them. But then below that, there's a panel that's our three Jedi apprentices going up a boarding ramp into it. But I can't tell where that boarding ramp is. It looks like it's front facing. Well, no, it's it's it, take a look. Oh, it's definitely you, under the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it, it's it's uh, shuttle Tidarium style. It's like starting at the neck of the vessel yes. and going down, which means they're walking into a. Well, so here's the real reason I don't like this at all, and I think the art just failed. Um, and I shouldn't say just the art. That could also be. I'm gonna no, I'm gonna blame it on the art because the writer probably wrote ship. <laughs> um, is Every time you see this ship, you can see the astromech port, which is constantly reminds you that the scale is X-Wing, Y-Wing. Like, it's never drawn particularly small. It's about the same socket size. Maybe a little bit off, but it's not enough to justify it being anything other than X-Wing fuselage. Because there's a little bit more room in the neck. Yeah. Like, it's a little bit longer, but yeah, it doesn't seem like enough to equip a medical bay. Right. And and even if we take into, like, uh, many Y-Wings, especially in the early days, like in Splinter of the Mind Eye and stuff, we wrote that Y-Wings have dual cockpits. Even those are front to back. They're yeah. elongated. They're not. But when you look at where they get inside the ship and stand around. Oh, they're This ship is, like, the size of two. the Twilight. Yeah. Like, that, that another ugly ship. Um. Ugly in the type of ship it is, not that it is aesthetically unpleasing, but like the Twilight that they use in the first few seasons of Clone Wars. Yes. So anyway, yes. Pick- no, I, I'm sorry. I'm. Bi- yeah. I you caught me looking at uh, looking oh, at fine. all these pictures. It's here just of these one of those ships. like it's just a nitpick of they really wanted to reference old Star Wars, so they used this you know chunk together ship, um, and it just it doesn't work for me because like I said they want a fighter. And then they said, yeah, but three people have to be in it, so just do it. Like, it, it, it's especially annoying when there's a billion ships in Star Wars who fit this role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, these ugly stuff belong in, like, a Rogue Squadron or an early Poe po Dameron comic. This is a fighter. Yeah. This is an ugly fighter, but it's a fighter. Yeah. And it's weird that it's... Um, 
it's weird that it's being used as a transport because yeah. it just doesn't feel like it makes any sense. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I don't disagree. I think it's a bit of an odd decision as well. Um, I'd love to learn more about it. If we had some more information on it, well, uh, maybe I'd feel better. Well, it's especially weird because like I said, now that, now that you made me look at it, like, oh, yeah, there's like three of them on the ground. Is this a mass production that looks this ugly and weird? Like, it feels like it should just be a one-off because it's really weird. I agree. Um, maybe we'll learn more in the future. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to where we were here. So basically, as Ben is taking off in the Grimtosh, the pupils are following him. Um, ben sort of thinks back when his droid GGS, where should we go? Should we go see right. your mother? We haven't been to Hosnian Prime in a while. <laughs> and Ben basically takes a moment to kind of reflect back. He sort of thinks of his mother. And then he thinks back to the temple explosion. And so we see the moment in the comic where Luke turns on him. We basically see Ben coming out of the rubble. And he sort of shouts, why? You know, why did you do it? And he points his lightsaber at the temple. And as he's looking at the temple, the temple sort of gets these red smoky clouds around it. You know, we see at first it's a very well, clear night. And one thing to enunciate this, though, yeah. is, you know, the droid's like, sir, sir, like kind of like waiting for the response. And Kylo starts this reminiscing, but he, we also get a new element to the comic, which is a black word balloon with a red edge, which is when he starts having we're, you're not sure what it is. It might be internal monologue. It could be like the dark side whispering to him. Mm -hmm. It could be like the Kylo persona he's going to embody talking to him. Mm -hmm. um, and it will prevail. It's throughout the entire rest of the next three issues. Yes. So you said like this red cloud is forming and we can already just feel Ben's thoughts getting darker and less trusting and more mm -hmm. doubting. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to take a minute and say, okay, why does the temple explode? Yeah. Cause it seems like the red is building around it while he's just trying to figure out, like mm -hmm. he's in the, in the, um, you know, like he's got that great, example of classic fiction where he's basically just going like why did you make me kill you luke yeah like it's your fault i killed you <laughs> yeah um and he's just like why why did this happen and he looks over at the temple and it's just sort of like got some red around it and he's just like why and with that like annunciation just electricity arcs and blows the thing to hell and burns yeah and we are definitely left with the question of was that a spit of anger that he caused that to happen or did it come from somewhere else? And we don't know. And that that's the thing. It's not answered here. We, we truly don't know. So yeah. Cause the only thing we get from his response once he's like dealing with it is like, he's just like, I never wanted this. Yeah. So again, that doesn't really clear up whether he caused it or not. He, we just know that he's remorseful about it happening. Whether someone did it or he did it, yeah. it doesn't really matter to his character development. It's happened, and he's lamenting the fact this has happened. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, I don't think there's anything there to show he did it, but I think you could definitely read it that way. Well, he's in a fit of anger right before it blows up. So I sure. think it's not impossible to read it as you know an aberrant part of the force because i think it's true i guess normally in comics when we see characters use the force yeah they have like almost like a 
they use like a silver color around them. Like for example, when Vader's choking someone in the comics, they'll he'll have his hand outstretched, but they'll have like a silver shimmer around it to well, indicate that the force is being used. So two things. One, I feel this is basically very similar to the scene where uh, Vader's destroying everything in the operating room as he's just vibrating with anger and everything around him's breaking. He's not consciously breaking anything. It just is happening. Yeah. Right. I feel it's 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 kind of like that's the moment I feel leads him in because he's yeah. feeling betrayed. He's feeling yeah. uh, sick to his stomach that he just killed his uncle. Yeah. He's feeling very conflicted and he's just screaming to the universe. Why? And then it's destroyed. Now, the thing about it is I'm not I don't think there's anything. I think it's specifically meant to be ambiguous. Yes. Because we never hear later on a Snoke saying like, I did it like because it's one of those things that it's hard to believe that anyone else would have done it because why don't they just start there? If they're trying to get rid of Luke and his apprentices, why just, why wait? Right. If you could attack it from some other part of the galaxy, just do it. Yeah. Or two, the other thing about it is like, I think that Ben is trying to, you know, it, you know, Ben could be causing it or his echo in the force, you know, of what's happening is causing this. Cause the other thing that I think that they is like a missed opportunity here is I would have added rain because there's a third option that isn't present here, which is, well, maybe it's just a natural storm. It just happened to strike the place and burn it down. It just happened to happen in that night. But the fact there's no rain or anything like that really doesn't give that an out. Someone destroyed the temple, whether it's, Ben indirectly or whether it's someone else directly, we are never going to be, or at least in the scope of this comic, we're not yeah. going to be told right. why or how. You're right. We won't be told. Um, and, well, maybe we'll talk about that more again at the end uh, as uh, to why we're not told. Hopefully we'll you know have some answers there. But basically, um, Hennix reveals that the uh, temple droid on Ben's ship can be tracked. And so that's how our characters are going to follow him. That's how our apprentices are going to keep up with him. So mm -hmm. as Ben decides that, okay, the temple has been destroyed. Luke turned on me just like I was told he would. I can't face my mom. I can't face my mom. She wouldn't want to see me. I can't go back there. I'm going to go to the only person who acts like they understand me. And as we come out of hyperspace on this world that is that's in the weird. middle of being terraformed, we see Ben uh, meeting with Snoke for the first time in the comic book. Correct. But definitely not for their first time in his entire life, because we learn a few details here. We learn that uh, Ben has damaged Snoke. He has hurt him, right? Because Ben is surprised by Snoke's appearance. He goes, what did Master Luke do to you? Yeah. So that's an interesting one. It's interesting because we see the scar. Well, the scars that make Snoke Snoke to us. Right. Like that wicked scar on the left side of his face. Right. And stuff like that. And like you said, it's weird that Ben has apparently met him when he was more whole. Yes. And that Skywalker apparently did that. Because Snoke doesn't really confirm it, but he doesn't deny it either. Right. You're right. You're right. Snoke here is a different character than we meet in the film. He's trying to not only is he dressed differently, not nearly as opulent as he was. So we picture him in gold robes, right? Yeah. Well, some silk. He, yeah. Here in the comic, as Ben approaches the planet and as we see Snoke for the first time, he's in this sort of goldish bronze. He's got this sort of like a 
this ceremonial it's, outfit on underneath of it. He's got this sort of dark green fabric. It, it's very much the same cut as what he would wear. It, it is a very elegant set of dress, but mm-hmm. it's much more plain. It feels much more like what we think of like people in Tatooine and Jedi robes of like a, a commoner's clothes. Like he's not in nobleman's clothes. He's in something that's, you know, very nice, but something more monkish, something more reserved. And it fits because he's walking around this garden in space. It's basically a transparent steel bubble that has all of this plant growth. And we could see right from the word go, a lot of this plants, you think it's alien, but then you just see it's like, it's kind of aberrant. It's sick. It's mutated. It's weird. It is, especially because there's a very Sith like throne. Yeah, he comes down Which from... Which is odd. We see him like halfway down the stairs from what is obviously a throne. <laughs> it is very strange because he never sits... We don't really see him sit in it or anything. Because he comes down and he hugs him. I will also say there was another thing that humanizes Snoke a lot in this is he's kind of got a hat. So it yeah. helps kind of frame his face as a little more humanoid. And there's the part where he... You know, the first time they meet, he just walks up and they hug. It is weird because, you know, we don't really know what kind of relationship they have here. All we really know is that they've met each other before, that presumably Luke did something to Snoke. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, that that voice we're hearing in Ben's head is Snoke's. So when we see those little text bubbles that are red and black, Yeah. yeah, that to me strikes me as Snoke because... There is that moment in the book when Ben is basically deciding, okay, where am I going to go to? And when he realizes he can't go to his mother, well, what does he think of? He thinks of that voice in his head, which is Snoke. Yeah. Now, there's also been in the Force Awakens novelization and a few other places we've had hints that Snoke has been inside of Ben's head manipulating him. Luke says in The Last Jedi, Snoke had already turned his mind. Um, and this is and that's this you know, is building so, on that. Theme. Yes, exactly. So it basically to sort of paint a picture of Ben here now that we're reached sort of the end of this first book. Yeah, because because basically um, Snoke asks, what are you going to do? And he's like, I was thinking of the Knights of Ren. And yes. Snoke's like, oh, well, that seems like a good stop on your journey. Why don't you go check them out? <laughs> and then we sort of end on a, a band album cover of the Knights of we, Ren. We do. We do. The thing about the Knights of Ren that's interesting here is at this point, we have not seen Ben meet them. So this Correct. also lets us know that Ben and we presume Luke have met the Knights of Ren before, are aware of them. Yes. Which is interesting. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But let's just take a moment to set the stage here. Because, Mac, earlier you were talking about years, you know, how old Ben was between the movie and the comic and all that. And it got me thinking. So we don't have a lot, but we do have the novel Bloodline, which takes place six years before The Force Awakens. Yes. And during that novel, Ben is still with Luke. Yes. At the time, you and I theorized, because uh, Mm. spoilers for that novel as well, at the (laughs) end, it becomes known to the wider universe that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker and that he was the father of Leia and Luke. And it crushes Leia's political career, which is why she goes off and becomes the general of the Resistance. Yes. So we also know that up until that point, Ben does not know he is the ancestor of Darth Vader. So at least I don't want to speak for Mac, but I presumed 
that that was going to be the catalyst that caused him to turn to the dark side. Basically, you've lied to me. Now, we'll see bits of that throughout the rest of this comic, but I would say, if anything, that's only a piece of the equation. Well, and I think, to be honest, I don't think it's a play- piece that plays out well in this comic, and I, I really wonder if the writing staff of this had read Bloodlines. Because mathematically, he's yeah. talking about going back to Hossian Prime, yeah, and there's not really a reason for Leia to be there. By this point, she's already had to kind of go off with the Resistance, and for the next five years, she's fighting a shadow war with the remnants of the First Order, which no one in the General Republic is responding to. Yeah. Like, Leia does this because she's like, no, if we can't let them fester and hope they'll go away. We have yeah. to deal with them. We have to contain and, and, and regulate them at least. Right. And no one listens to Leia because she's, she's Darth Vader's daughter, for God's sakes. So I think as time goes on, we will learn that this event is taking place um, in a similar time frame to those events in Bloodline. Yeah, it kind of has to, right? Because it's got to be right before... Because, again, because at some point, Ben leaves, and that has to happen after Bloodlines. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that information doesn't feel like it's gotten to Ben yet. Yes, I would agree. So I would say, based on all of that evidence... Ben is probably about 23 here. That sounds right. Give or take. Yeah, like, Just yeah. to kind of nail that down. Early 20s. Yes. Very early 20s. So he is someone who feels like, not only does he feel like he's been lied to and manipulated by his family, but he also feels like he has been manipulated in other ways by these outside dark sources. And this is just another sort of drop in the bucket to kind of bolster that theory. So as we paint this picture of how Ben falls to the dark side, it's we find that in a lot of ways it's very similar to Anakin in that it's this very long play. People are power playing him on both sides yes. and eventually gets sick of it and just falls on one side of the knife. Um, yes. Because, I mean, the other thing I'll also state is that's um, interesting. It's like, I also feel that Essentially, all of Luke's students at this point are essentially functional Jedi. He may not have, quote unquote, knighted them yet, but like it implies those three were on a mission. You know, it does. Yeah, it does. It it definitely feels like that academy is a lot further along than I think. Like, I think we're given the impression of like, oh, yeah, Hogwarts has been open for like five years. We don't have a graduating class yet, yet, but like, here's what's going on over at Luke's temple. And now I feel like. No, Luke's temple is already probably multi-generational. That temple, when it burns, there's probably younglings in there kind of thing. Like, um, And it implies that um, Kylo and his fellows were a lot closer to knights or, or would have in another era been knights at this point rather than fledglingly figuring out the force. You know, these aren't young yeah. practitioners. These are... These are full pad ones that could have fought in the Clone War level people. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's spot on. Um, what I'm interested in thinking about, and we'll talk about it more as we go, it, basically where this comic leaves me is what is the power gap? How strong is Ben here in this moment? Right. Where he is so confident that he's stronger than these three other Padawans combined. And that is the thing I find very interesting. Yeah. So, again, we leave here with episode, episode one, <laughs> issue one, <laughs> where we've basically established 
all, the frame around the the burning of the temple yep. and Ben's confusion that comes out of that. Yes. We learn about these three other characters who are these Jedi who have this quest to catch up with Ben and figure out what happens and if he did kill Master Skywalker to end his life. And we've seen Snoke as this very friendly and comforting persona in uh, Kylo's life that's leading him obviously down the dark path we know but you can see why Ben is like oh, even if he is I don't care he gives a crap about me this is nice and we are left with the Ben Solo is going to go seek the Knights of Ren yes and that's where we end so Mac ready to wrap up this one and move on to issue two let's do anything it anything else you want to add all right Okay, so as we explore issue two of The Rise of Kylo Ren, we open up on that same lush green world that Snoke is in the middle of converting, it seems. Real quick, have you ever seen the movie Silent Running by chance? I don't think so. I've seen the movie Cool Runnings. Uh, very good movie. Different different genre. <laughs> There's a movie called Silent Running, and Silent Running is a, a like an apocalyptic thing where it's basically about this freighter transport in space and they're transporting what is said in the opening lines as the last forest that like earth has been basically completely urbanized there's you know there's some parks and stuff but basically people don't care about growing things and there's these three forests attached to this thing and they're just like this they're these biospheres of like you know it's like a forest under a a transparent dome that just opens Mm. out to space and I, I feel the artist has definitely read that because it's got this very interesting quality of this artificial garden in the middle of space. Yeah, yeah. It'll. I would love to know more about this planet. Let's just leave it at that. I would love to have some well, more detail. Here. And there's a great moment because we basically open up on Snoke and Ben sort of walking through this menagerie. Yeah. And we, the audience, are seeing some of more of the sinister parts of it. Like I said, more of that aberrations and mutations that are going on. We see skulls and bones among the flowers and trees that yeah. Ben, I don't think, is seen as clearly until later. Yeah. Um. And Snoke is just talking about the fact of, like, they tried to bring life to the darkness. Like, here in the void of space, they tried to build something that was this little beacon of light, and look what happened. It got twisted and bent and tormented because it doesn't belong out here. And he's basically talking about balance from the other side of the coin. He's talking about how the light should not screw with the darkness, that there are places, like, we would argue, like, Dagobah, where... The darkness is supposed to exist. It's its natural state. It's mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cave, the um, the the cavern underneath Octu. Like we, there are these places where this is supposed to be this way. You know, um, absolutely. And that was something that it almost felt like the prequel Jedi never accepted. Right. Right. You know, they thought n- triumphing over the dark side was eliminating it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So as we open up, and as you say, Snoke and Ren are, uh, Snoke and Ben are continuing their conversation. Um, ben also has these lines about how he hates his name. He never met Obi Wan, and his father's name was a lie. He's not even called Solo. I okay. thought that was a good. I thought that. Was I thought a that good was like moment. that. That was one where, where I'm just kind of like, well, I guess I know this writer's opinion about about uh, the Solo movie, only because it's like. 
I don't see any universe where Ben would pick that information up. Like, I could see his wife knowing it and her laughing about it. <laughs> but, like, Han Solo has been Han Solo for yeah. almost 35 years at this point. Yeah. I don't know if Han himself really ponders the fact of, like, well, I was thinking about that time that uh, recruitment officer gave me a last name. He said, who's your people? And I'm like, ah. And he's like, I'll call you Solo. And I was like, that's not a name. But, like, he, I, I felt that Ben Solo is commenting on the fact that we, the audience, know that Solo is not, he doesn't. Yeah. The only, I guess the reason I say this is because Ben goes, it's not even his real name. I'm like, actually, it's 100% his real name. He states he doesn't have a surname before this. Yeah. His name, we don't even know if Han is the name his dad gave him, right? Like, he talks about his dad and stuff, but, like, we, we don't know. And when Han says he doesn't have a last name, that tells me that his early memories he's remembering about his father is more of he found information about his father and he has some early childhood memories of him. But, like... He doesn't know his own name. Yeah. That means he must have lost his family at such a young age, it's developmentally unknown to him. So it just felt a very, like, like look at the comic book readers, wink their eye and go, we saw Solo too. <laughs> yeah. Which is a constant thing with the comics. Yeah. And, okay, this is a good time to get this out of my system. Yeah. The one thing that I've realized over time is I loved comic books growing up. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten less and less enjoyment out of them. And I think one of the reasons is because it's like video games, movies, TV shows, whatever. If you aren't watching it actively, right, you start to lose the trends. You start to lose what is common, what isn't common, how things are done. And one of the things I think I've forgotten about with comics that this comic book reading it just reminded me of is comics are one of the most ephemeral mediums we have. Ephemeral meaning that is meant to be read now and probably never again. It is meant to be read once and digested and done. It's like soap operas or a wrestling match or a sporting event. Like you're meant to see it. You're not meant to go, oh man, I'm going to watch the reruns of the 1960s World Series over and over again. I do it twice a year. Like that's weird. That's not how it was meant to be, be consumed. And it's moments like this, and we'll get to a few more, which is why I'm setting up the markers here, where there are moments where, hey, we know the vast majority 80 plus percent of people who will ever read the Kylo Ren comic are reading it as the issues come out. And there are moments where you can tell, ah, this issue came out before Rise of Skywalker. And ha, this issue came out after Rise of Skywalker. And there's another moment like that. And so it's weird to me because I feel like it's commenting on the zetgeist of where Star Wars is right now. Mm -hmm. And while that line is fun for Ben to have that chip in his shoulder about it, I don't know if it really makes sense for him to know that other than that's something yeah. that's been kicking around the last 18 months of Star Wars is going like, oh, yeah. wow, it's so crazy. Solo was a name that an Imperial gave him. That's nuts. Yeah. So anyway. Sure. I I feel like if my parents had an adopted name, I would know about it. Here's my question, though. Yeah. Um when at the dinner table does that come up, especially when we know that 
Ben, as we saw in Bloodlines, has fairly strained relationship with his parents from the word go. Because Luke's like, yep, he's five. He's coming with me. (laughs) I don't know. You never did like a family tree like project when you were in like third grade. Like you never like like to me, that seems like something I would know. Well, let me put it this way. What you have an Italian last name. What part of Italy do you come from? Oh, I don't know. Well, why? That's part of your family history. I'm sure someone in your family knows. Why haven't you asked them? Well, at one point, I did know. Is it, and, and this is going to be my opinion, yeah. is it because your origins aren't as important as who your family is? Because, like, no, that's but my thing family, with Solo is. But I, but I think if my family was this great, powerful, historical family, I would probably know more about them, too, well, at the same that time. Same, but, but if we go down that road too far, I start going, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's an important family. It's an important part of his history, which is why his name is Ben Organa. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Like, he gets the fake name, and I'm just like, for a kid who already seems like he's like Damon from The Omen, I don't think I tell my kid that, like, oh, yeah, that name's made up. Yeah. We gave it to you, too. Because, <laughs> again, I don't want to put too much of a lantern on it. I, you went smirk and said, ah, that's great. Yeah. He knows that. I went frown i'm like why would he know that <laughs> and, the, and the reason i think i feel that is mostly because that it's not even his real name i'm like okay this is reminding me that kylo ren is 23 going on seven uh, because he doesn't that's even on his real name it's like it is his real name there is no universe where i think han solo would say my actual name's mccorm you know but like you know i forgot that so imperial officer gave me so i just run that's my trade name it's your name too son like that is solo's last name Regardless of who gave it to him, that is his quote unquote real name. Yeah. And maybe that's why I just went to like, it's a good thing for Kylo Ren to be angry about that. But to your point, he should also care about his grandfather being Vader, which his uncle, his his mother, no one told him that. There's a bunch of people around him who know that. And more importantly, Luke, I can't see a world where he didn't talk about at least Anakin to his son about the fact of like, yeah, he fell to the dark side. You got to be extra all like all the other students leave the room. And and there has to be moments where he's going, Ben, I need you to really work on your anger. Why are you telling me this specifically? No reason. You just need to be extra careful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's weird for me that he would know solo is a fake name and he doesn't know who his grandfather is. And these are two like, like, it doesn't matter. It's a fictional universe. It could be whatever it is. Yeah. But I just, uh, there's two other moments we'll get to that I'm just, it took me out of the, com- that's the best way to put it. it. Took me out of the comic and remind me of like, oh, right. This is quote unquote, not really fan service, but like, we're mentioning this now because it's topical. <laughs> You'll see. Sure. So, okay. stepping away from that and yep. Max problem with comic books because- Generally, I am positive on this. I do want to say. Yeah. Um, okay. So Snoke is, is like, straight up seducing, like, Ben in this scene. Yeah. He's he's just kind of saying, the dark side's... The dark side is the good side. People need to see that. You get it, Ben. <laughs> uh, so we get our next... Uh, we get a little a little cameo here from uh, Brendel Hux. We do. So, do you remember Brendel from uh, Phasma? Or well, I don't think you read the Aftermath books. I didn't read Aftermath. Uh, I know him from yeah. I know him quite well from uh, he he 
He features a bit in Phasma. <laughs> he's a little bit younger. He's not the absolute tyrant he's about yeah. to become. But I also see the aftermath of his training program. So he's a very known character. Yes. So if you don't know, Brendel is uh, the Hawks we know from the film. Uh, his father. So Armitage Hawks, played by uh, Domhnall Gleeson. Yep. Uh, his father, Brendel Hawks, uh, is a important figure in the First Order because he was sort of there as the Emperor fell. Yep. And as the Emperor turned into the First Order, as they headed towards the Outer Rim, uh, we have this moment where basically Brendel calls Snoke. <laughs> And Kylo's like, who's this? And he's sort of, uh, sweep it under the rug. Don't worry about it. Well, it's good. Listen, Ben, I might seem very isolated, but I do have other friends than just you. Not just an entire military junta taking over the Outer Rim territories. <laughs> no, pay no attention to that. Ben, listen, I'm going to take that call later. I'm focused on you right now, buddy. So as Ben goes to leave, Snoke basically gives him a final warning of, hey, just so you know, if you don't end up joining the Knights of Ren, they'll kill you. So just, just be aware of, of that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, join them or kill them. That's pretty much your options. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. So now we go back and we do our next time jump. Yes. So we leave the present again. But we go back in time now to a younger Ben. Now, I look at this Ben as maybe like 10 years earlier, you know, like 13, 14 year old Ben. What did you yeah, think? Yeah, just getting into his teens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like young preteen teenager Ben. That's yeah, I would how say, I yeah, somewhere between like 11 and 14. Yeah. So basically, we have Luke, younger Ben, and of course, younger Luke, and also Lore Santeca. Which was to me the best cameo was like, yes, this is a character that needs a lot more explanation in Star Wars. I'm glad he's showing up. I agree completely. So if you don't remember, Lore Santeca is that first character we see in The Force Awakens uh, when he's talking with Poe. He's the one who gives Poe half of the map to Luke Skywalker. Right. And it's interesting because we learn a little bit more about their relationship here, Luke and Lore, and how they would um, essentially be together. But basically, Lore believes that there's a Jedi outpost here close to the Unknown Regions. I also want to point out there's a High Republic reference here. Well, that was which... the other one I was going to mention. That's the wink and a nod to the audience yeah. of Topical. Is They mentioned the High Republic, which I could be wrong, yeah. is the first in-universe reference to the High Republic I'm aware of. It's not. The first one was in Dooku Jedi Lost. Did this? Yeah, they I talk about the High. They talk about the High Republic in there as well. Uh, yeah. So it's the second, but it makes sense because the author Charles Soule, who wrote these comics, oh, and yeah, yeah. the author no, well, of Dooku Jedi Lost, well, are all working on the High well, Republic and, and project. Some, and at some twisted level, a it makes sense because we're going to learn them. That's the new era of Star Wars we're heading to, and it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's also not surprising for them to remind you of that as a comic book author of like, hey, you can go subscribe to those books right now <laughs> because comics are very heavily going to be part of that initiative. Yeah. Because um, it's all the print guys. It's all the print guys being, you know, a lot more waving their flag of like, hey, remember the dark times where we held the banner? We're going to do it again. And that's exciting. But yeah. the other thing about it is it sets up that Lorsenteca is like a lore master. Like, he's not a Jedi, but he knows so much about them. It'll be interesting to see if he is essentially a guardian of the wills. 
or follows the the religion similarly in that way. Some tradition. He's he's got. We know from the references that they give us primarily outside, uh, like supplementary material to the Force Awakens. He's he's a member of the. Is it just the Church of the Jedi, or is it the yes, yes, Church of the Jedi? Yes, but we don't know. That's all after, if that makes sense. It's extra material. I want to know what he was doing. Well, in his like twenties, I feel that like know? he is. I think I feel that he is. He's a he's a believer and a keeper of information about the Jedi. Now, like yeah. you said, whether it's directly the Willis, like we see with uh, Chirut and uh, Baze in um, Rogue One, or whether it's another tradition like that, it's the idea. These are people who, like you said, subscribe to the Jedi religion, but aren't wizards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here we have another interesting moment that we see that even at this young age, Snoke was manipulating that voice is in his head. Yeah, we still have that voice there. So this is interesting because when you talk about timelines, Mac, now this is the issue that came out after the rise of Skywalker. So we had known a little bit already through that line that, you know, Snoke had been communicating with Ben in his head. Right. Okay. So. Snoke is basically telling Ben that Luke sees him as a child and sort of planting those seeds of like. Now, this is my maybe my yeah. favorite sequence in the entire thing, because A, you got Lorson Tekka, which I yeah. love. And B, Lorson Tekka and Luke are like in the front of the uh, of the family van driving them to some place. Yeah. And they're basically just talking about like, well, I think it might be uh, part of the High Republic, you know. Well, but how did the Jedi get out this far? Well, you know, when I think and you can sort of almost. It's not literally, but it almost like fades to the front as the kid in the back who's bored out of his mind is going like, why couldn't you let me at least drive? That would be at least less boring. <laughs> That's because he doesn't trust you. Yeah. It's like he treats you like a child. I'm not a child. Like there's this great yeah. quality to his speech where Ben is a child. Yeah. It is every angsty teenager being fueled by a bad influence yes. and going like, they don't get you, man. Parents just don't get it. And what I love about it is right when he's at like the most cynical about this and listening to the voice in the head of like, like, yeah, he just doesn't get it. Like Luke turns around his seat and he's like, like, Ben, this is going to be an important adventure. We're going to find some weapons. I know you're into that. I'm super glad you're here. <laughs> like there's this just warm yeah. relationship that just tells you that at this point, Luke's like not seeing the darkness in this kid. He is like, whatever I sense, it's fun. He'll get over it. He's a great kid. Yes, it does feel like based on this little bit of information we see that Luke was keeping him close, but Luke was also actively trying to prevent a fall. (sighs) Yes, but more so almost like actively trying to make himself different than the Jedi who came before. Yes. So for example, you know, um, the way he trains them feels different. And we'll learn a little bit more about that as we go. But the fact that he's on this mission here, he has been with him as sort of his direct Padawan. Mm-hmm. Even though he is, as far as we know, the only one training all of the learners at his temple. So it's interesting yeah. to see him say, okay, well, you're going to come on this individual mission with me and the kids are all just going to be back at the temple by themselves. 
And I think the one thing that you imply is this great, like, kind of little divide of, like, is he doing this because he's like, because you're the star pupil, which is how Ben's interpreting it. Yeah. He keeps me close because he fears my power yeah. kind of, like, thing. I think it's, like, to be really honest with you, the way I read it, just the, the fun little bit, just the microscopic little bits of information of just how Luke treats Ben. I'm like, no, no, you're here because you're my nephew. You're going to get special treatment because you're blood. You're, you're my nephew. Yeah. Like, I, all of my students I care for. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would agree. I would love, well, I've said this before and I hope to say it again. I hope we get a novel or a series of novels one day where we can actually see their relationship. Yeah, I, I, I do. In wanna, a more I, detailed way. There, somewhere at Lucas Books is a giant thing that, say, that says, you know, the training novels. Like, you know, the, the yeah. Luke's, Luke's Jedi Academy with yeah. a big post-it note of like, someday question mark <laughs> yes yes uh hopefully someday soon so they arrive on elfrona to a giant vault entrance guarded by these gigantic jedi statues and i also want to point out these giant jedi statues we see out at the front very reminiscent of those giant cis statues yes we see in uh on exegol later on and at some level i feel this is where they're starting to reference high republic yeah because i think you're gonna we're gonna find the high republic its downfall is going to be the fact that the jedi become an institution in a way that's unhealthy like i agree with you building effetuses yeah. to themselves yeah. building these secret caches of jedi lore um leading to the stiffness and the to outward facing organization that we see in the prequels where yeah. they're, where they're austere and tired and just kind of going with momentum. I agree. Other thing I just want I to agree. mention. Yeah. This also took me a little bit out of it because we have those Jedi statues and we've got a big old Jedi wreath on the front of this, but this is also that one really cool Syrian temple that once you've seen it in Last Crusade and know it's a real place, you see that, wow, everybody references this thing, don't they? Because <laughs> it's a cool cathedral built into the side yeah. wall of a canyon. That's neat. I feel it's a little weird here in Star Wars because I think your Star Wars audience, you can give them a really good guesstimate that they've probably seen the Last Crusade. So it's like it's the Last Crusade temple with like Jedi decorations, which is weird to me. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Um. Sure. So they enter the treasure vault, mm -hmm. and they find. You know what I found interesting about that when you talk about like, okay, here we have this sort of trove of treasure that we see holocrons in there, and Luke basically is telling Ben, "Wow, we're going to be able to learn so much from this about the Jedi that came before <laughs> us." And Ben's kind of like, uh, "I don't really care about the past. I just kind of want to focus on where we're going." I'm a teenager, damn it. Yeah, and. In this uh, group of treasure, we see both Jedi and Sith holocrons. Yes. Did you and, notice that? I found that very interesting. We're starting to um, establish that I think the holocrons that mostly survive are High Republic. Because mm -hmm. I feel... So, okay, okay, to be blunt. These are the two holocrons you can buy at, at Galaxy's Edge. These are also the two we see in Clone Wars. Yes. As far as like not necessarily and in rebels, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily literally these ones, right, right? But a blue box with gold accents with generally circular patterns on, on 
you know, circular patterns with diamond patterns or a red pyramid with yes. this sort of like mask on it. Now, Holocron started with the Old Republic comics and we already had sort of the paradigm that Jedi ones tended to be, you know, uniform shapes like spheres or cubes, mm -hmm. whereas the dark side ones were pyramids or diamonds. They yeah. were more sharp shapes. Yeah. But I feel that like just the fact that we now see two holocrons identical to ones we see elsewhere. I didn't take as a cynical way to sell product. You could. I just mostly see it as like, I think during the high Republic again, when they are full of themselves in a way, this is when we see the most production of these things. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that this Sith holocron wasn't necessarily made by a Sith. Like this is a repository of Sith information, mm -hmm. but it may be a Jedi like essentially black book. It's a container of, we've learned a lot about the Sith. We put it into this thing yeah. to make it sure that you don't accidentally go into this. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, the question I have for you then. Yeah. Have we seen any other holocron styles in canon besides these two? Well, no. Um, so you get to this place of, in so in my opinion, holocrons will have been ancient data systems, right? Yes. They they have existed longer than holographic storage and, and yes. the technologies we're used to. There's a little yes. bit of magic to them, yes. if you will. Which still implies to me that while the Knights of the Old Republic is not canon by any measure, that era of the old Republic mm -hmm. where the Jedi and the Sith fought each other in much more open conflict and much more even numbers. I feel is still something that exists in the background. Yeah, I think that's of fair. Star Wars. Sure. So with that in mind, my suspicion is the further back you go, the less these are these crafted objects that all look the same. They become, there's a uniformity to these that tells me that most of what we've seen so far come from the same time period. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And that's just interpreting it. Like, totally. you're right. We haven't seen anything older than that. But technically, we've only in canon seen yeah. the one that Maul handles and the one that Kanan handles, I think, yeah. are the only two that actually exist, exist. As far as I can remember. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, there's the one in Fallen Order. Oh, that's true. Right. There's yep. one in there. We have the Sith Wayfinder, and then it's comics. Yeah. Now you think about it, I guess the Sith Wayfinder is kind of that, though it could be at a technology adjacent to that. Yeah, I don't consider it. But it's, it, a, it's a storage medium, for yes, sure. Yes, I consider the Wayfinder not a holocron, but in that same vein, if that Yeah, no, sense. no, no, same technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, Plus, I mean, we don't really know. We know the two holocron, or sorry, the two wayfinders are made for Vader and Sidious. Yes. But we don't know if they're made for them or if they were given to them and had already been in existence. And so holocrons are in this great magical place um, of just being in fluidity, but just stating my opinion of, I think we're going to see more of them in the high Republic. Mm -hmm. Cause I think we're going to, I think in the high Republic get an establishment of someone writing one, someone crafting one. Oh, someone that could be interesting one. because again, this blue box is something that's shown up a number of times. And I'm, I'm going to the point of like, 
yeah, I think that it was probably a tradition, maybe as far as up to the High Republic, that if you were a master of a venerable age, you produced a holocron. You that makes sense. passed yeah. your knowledge forward. So I could see that happening. Okay, but yes, yes. Well, as we've we, got a mix of great artifacts, some are evil, some are not. Yes, we <laughs> see. Um, we see some weapons there. Uh, remember in. Um, I can't remember exactly what issue is, but there's that issue of which Acosta knew where mm-hmm. she tries to infiltrate the Jedi temple and she has that, that weapon yeah. uh, in that Darth Vader issue of comics. I found that interesting. But anyway, uh, as they're exploring Ben and Luke, both sense cold. Yeah. They both sense the dark side and basically the Knights of red show up, which is our, as far as we know, our first time where Luke is meeting them. Yeah, as far as we're, yeah, yeah, Luke, yeah, because Luke is kind of questioning what they are when they show up. Exactly. And and basically, um, you know, Ren, who we see is kind of like, oh, you know, you're only one man. And, and Luke goes, well, I might only be one person, but I'm not alone, you know, Im- implying he has the force at his back. And basically, um, they start to fight. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what happens. And Luke just is, it's not even a a contest. Luke is just so powerful here. And we see some fun where the the work is referencing Luke throughout the times. You know, we see him being doing some of the acrobatics and stuff we're used to from like um, uh, The Last Jedi. There's a part where he definitely does that. Like, I bend over on my knees more than a person can. Like the bullet time stuff. That's how I think of it. Yeah, yeah. There's some good Uh, of that. He's also pushing with the force. He's got a much more martial arts stance to a lot of his fighting. And he takes all of them on. All of them. And that's the thing I love about this Luke so much is how confident he is. Yes. We see that same Luke at the end of The Last Jedi, you know, when he's on crate in his horse projection. Yeah. And it's just that confidence is... Well, to be blunt, I think what a lot of people expected. And so to see that bit of Luke here, I think, is really, really great. Because, and we've talked about this at nauseum before, I'm a big fan of giving Luke a character arc at the end of his life and not just having him sure. be a trope. And I think that's great. And that he still had things to learn and room to grow. Um, I'm glad we got to see that. But at the same time, I can also understand anyone who says, well, I just want to see him be a badass. Well, here you go. And here you go. Here's here. Here it is. Um, um, and and, and uh, the other thing I think is cool is you see that the, the Knights of Ren use all kinds of weird weaponry. There's a guy with, yes. a, with a gun and Luke does the, you know, shooting the uh, blaster bolt into another one of them. Yes. And like he basically whirlwinds, takes them down. And by the time we, we s- turn around and he's like knocked out everyone, and yeah. it's got a good blow on all of them. Like Ben, like lightsaber is ignited. And he's like, uh, uh, like, like. I'm here to help, but I don't know where to go because yeah. you've already seemed to finish the fight. And Lorsen Tech is in the back going like, oh, magnificent. I love it. <laughs> I, I do. It's it's great to see some of the drawings of Luke here. Just the way he's depicted is great. Yeah. Um, and I love how they basically go to regroup and Luke just grabs the knight's weapons with the force and crushes them. Yeah. And basically he's just like, no, I- I'm sorry, but no, you, you got you've got no shot here. Go at, at this point, Ren is just kind of like, uh, okay, guess you won today's fight. But then he turns towards Ben and he goes, you know, Ben, or, you know, you might want to watch your apprentice there. I sense the shadow in him, just mm-hmm. like it's in all of us. And Luke is like, this is your last chance to leave. He's like, you're not going to get a chance to plague as my apprentice. 
Like, you're not going to get That's a chance not... to give a speech here. And basically, Ren removes his helmet to reveal sort of an unburned, sort of like a young Kurt Russell with white hair. He does have a jaw on him. You're right. That's kind of how I how I would kind of describe well, him. We see him as not an animal or a creature. He's a person. Yeah. We, he... we, since let's be blunt. What we get is an echo of The Force Awakens when we first see Ben Solo. Yes. Where... You know, I've got, I'm a monster in a mask. Take off the mask and you're pretty? Yeah. That's weird. Wasn't expecting that. I agree completely. It was, I mean, you know, you expect someone with a burnt head. You expect someone with no hair. You expect Anakin. You expect, like, again, someone from Mad Max. (laughs) You're not wrong. And he looks a lot more like, to be blunt, a Jedi. He's kind of got the long flowing hair. It's a little bit gray. He seems like, you know, nice square jawed cut cut guy. Yeah. I mean, you're 100% right. So as Ren goes to leave, he takes off his mask and basically sets it on the ground and says, okay, kid, if you ever want to come find us, you know, that's okay. Come hook up with us. And he leaves the mask there as a way for Ben to do that. Yeah. It's the motorcycle gang leaving a leather jacket there. Like, you want to ride with us? You come back. So we got back to the present and Ben in his adult age is back on Alfrona picking up the helmet and he puts it on and he makes communication with Ren. And at this moment, we see Luke's apprentices arrive and this is where the issue cuts off. Yeah. I want to say one thing about I I stifled myself in our first uh, segment. The helmet. The helmet is something that is interesting because, okay, so it's very modern design. Um, it felt that way to me, too. Somewhere around 2007 or 8, designers just said, I don't know, we'll have displays inside of helmets. You know what? I'm going to stop putting eye holes on helmets because they look cooler without them. And we didn't do that for a long time because, well, how do you see? Yeah. And most of the helmets don't really explain that, but it doesn't matter. They look cool. <laughs> That's right. Um, and one of the things that this helmet deeply reminds me of is when the Old Republic um, massively multiplayer online role-playing game came out. Um, they created a Sith Empire that came from the unknown regions. Yeah. And they're a Sith Empire that's been around for a long time. Yeah, since the hyperspace wars. And you basically are implied that like, oh, well, the Sith that have we fought before, like the true Sith, the sort of magenta red beings that have been having human hybrids for a yeah. long time. Those creatures are like the expeditionary forces. They were the scouts. Yeah. Like. Korriban slash Moriban was like the furthest out outpost of their empire, not the stronghold that we kind of were implied for a long time. And the Sith Emperor and his fleet just cascades into the galaxy and takes it over. Yeah. Now, it's dubious whether it's canon or not. Depending on who you ask at Disney, it will be canon or not. The one thing that definitely is going on is the fact that there is a council of Sith Lords and one is Lord... Uh, Jadis and Lord Jadis is the head of Sith intelligence and one of the things that's really important about that character is you don't know if Jadis is a man a woman human Sith what and because they wear a full ensconced helmet and then just big billowing robes so there's no way to really get any information about this person and if you play the Sith agent you learn a lot about it about it but the thing that is is it's 
it was very modern design language. It's literally this mask, except for it has a little bit of grills where we see probably where the person breathes out of it. And it has a single red eye, which is probably the sensor that allows them to see out of mm -hmm. this helmet. Mm -hmm. Whereas on this, we basically see that same kind of sensor, except it's this glyph, this jagged Sith writing or whatever on the face. Yeah. And so you get this idea of like, that could be a Sith Lord's helmet because the Knights of Ren have had access to this cache. This seems to be one of their hangouts. So who knows what dark side stuff they've learned. And it also, I think, I think something like this also explains how Ren has a lightsaber. It does. I also want to, since you brought it up, it also, in a way, it looks more like the helmet you're describing. Yeah. But it also strikes a little bit of Lord Momen. He is the character from um, uh, from the Vader comics mm -hmm. who uh, is a Sith Lord who is resurrected by someone putting on his helmet. Mm -hmm. And it has sort of that flat front. Now, that helmet's a little different because it has two. It has an eye slit, basically. Sure. But it has that same sort of flat sort of gender neutral look well, that yeah that sense. sort of encased yeah yeah face plate kind of thing so i think it's an interesting mass design what do you think of it here in the comic well in the comic it's interesting because again we get ren as we already mentioned gets that yeah. moment of being kylo ren where he right. takes off the helmet and you see him as a person yeah he's suddenly human yeah um which is nice and I like that it's this touchstone because it also gives us a non-mystical way yeah. for them to reconnect. Because when he puts it on, the comm link built into it yeah. allows him to go go and connect with Ren. And basically he gets coordinates, except for the fact as soon as he wants to leave, his Ben's three Jedi friend is there ready to confront him about yes. what's happened. Yes, Henix, Vo, and Ty all show up on Elfrona and we fade to black for the next issue. Right. Anything else you want to say about this one? No, I. this was the issue to me that was the issue I had been waiting for, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, seeing a young Ben and a young Luke off on adventures. This is what I had been excited about. You know, I think I say like, oh, I'd love a TV show or I'd love a book or a, right. or a more in-depth series of comics. This is what I want. This time frame, you know, not a year before Ben's fall. But 10 years, you know, before Ben's fall, let me see Leia drop him off at Luke's Academy. Let me see Luke go out and find these other students. That's the stuff I really want to see. Well, and, and I think that's because this is sort of our new dark times. There was always the thing of this, the gap yeah. between the end of the Clone Wars and the beginning of New Hope was always like the least and most sparse part of star wars yeah. for so long and then when the prequels came out it became even sparser because yeah. they're like well we don't want to say anything until episode three is done like it, this is kind of that time period of okay we have the battle of jakku the empire falls and yada 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 force awakens <laughs> yes exactly like, we only have a few pieces of content in the middle of that and most of them by their very nature or because of lucas felicity are trying to be sort of vague about detail like yeah we know from Bloodline, Snoke is a mover and player on the galactic scale. Senators know about him. Yeah. At the same time, he also seems to be just some recluse hanging out in a space garden. Yes. At the same time, he's also a dark Sith Lord who's probably behind the First Order. It's yes. really complicated and, yes. and tough to figure out all the details, because which is exciting. It's vague, and you're it's right. Vague. And and I do want to, for me personally, I can understand why for some people this might be frustrating, but for me personally... 
that's okay. That's what Star Wars is. Star Wars yeah. is questions and not necessarily answers. The answers are never as good as the questions. Especially right away. Like, we've only had five years, you know, if you really want to be generous, of Disney Lucasfilm collaboration and releases. And in that five years, we have four novels and two TV shows that take place in that 30-year gap. Mm -hmm. Now, really, though, Bloodline, that's six novels. Part of Lost Stars, that's seven. So really, if I start to think about it, there are a lot of materials between these two films, between episode six and seven. Mm -hmm. But we'll get more over time. This comic book is the perfect example of that, that being patient and waiting, we will get the answers we have, we're asking we for. have tent poles in there yeah. but we don't have any of the minutiae we don't have stories that are just boldly only telling their story within that frame they're uh, all yes you know it's like it's the battle of jakku which we know is mentioned by the existence of the graveyard on jakku but we needed a story to tell us what that was yes. so we got that and it's like awesome so what happened immediately after that well we sort of have aftermath kind of addressing that a little bit but not really yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and we kind of know how Leia becomes the general of the resistance, but we don't know what the resistance is really doing. And the resistance TV show gives us a little insight into that. Like, yeah, everything is all just little tiny bits, little blips in a relatively black vacuum of information. And it's comics like this that are exciting because they show us like, to be blunt, what did that peacetime look like? Yeah, it seems nice. I want to hang out there. No giant super weapons to speak of during those. Not really, years. no, no. So, um, yeah. So we'll get more of that. And again, I think this is, like you said, like yeah. For me, the the Luke, Lorson, Tekka, and Ben go on an adventure was great. Yeah, chef kiss. I, I I really enjoyed that premise, even though we don't get to really exhaustively explore it. But it's still, uh, I love that that happens. I uh, I agree. I agree completely. All right, let's move on to issue three. Star Wars All In is a community of fans for all things Star Wars. We want to share our fandom with you, and we'd love for you to share yours with us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Star Wars All In. Also, search on Facebook to join in the conversation with our private group. We would love to hear from you. Okay, so we open up on the Mine Moon of Mimban. Now, I found this interesting because we uh, spent some time on Mimban in Solo, 
Mm-hmm. But here we have the mine moon of Minban, which is a little different, apparently. Maybe so, the strategic resource the Empire was trying to protect on that mud bowl. It must be, because the Knights of Ren are here, and thereafter, the mine splinter, a priceless artifact of the locals. Yeah, I thought that was really cute, because Minban originally comes from Splinters of the Mind's Eye, yes. one of the first... Was it 78? Like, it was really, yeah. it's an Alan Dean Foster book. Mm-hmm. It became a comic book adaptation, which is where I found yeah. it. Um, that is basically the the first new adventure of Star Wars after A New Hope that in any, like, sort of, like, officially way. Because I don't even think the Saturday it, cartoon, the cartoon strip had started it yet. It was the story if, basically, it was the story George had decided on if he didn't get to make a sequel. Oh, right, right. That That's was correct. kind of what he envisioned it as. Cause it's very much Luke and Leia. It's very much weird. <laughs> if that makes well, sense. It's weird to us now because of what's happened with star Wars, but it's, it's definitely more of Luke having an adventure as being the pseudo Jedi in training that he is. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot more dealing with the force and mysticism. It has a much more obvious, like oppressive society. These miners who are, begrudgingly working with the empire and they're sort of like slaves to the empire, but not. And they're, they're even more bigoted to these greenies, these people that are on the planet. Like it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that again, it's an artifact that the Knights of Rens are, are collecting, assumingly under the auspices of Snoke wants it. That's, that's my thought too. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's, it's again, it's a little tiny bit of fan service of just saying like, Hey, Hey, do you remember that book? We read it too. It's it's an interesting. It's okay. Yeah, it's interesting because it's mostly it, okay because we never really get to it. It it is. It is just <laughs> a throwaway line here. What's interesting about any moment like this, yeah. anything like this, is is bringing something from Legends in the Canon fan servicey. I think that's the question you have to ask. And if your answer is yes, then okay. But you should feel that way about Thrawn. You should and, feel that way about everything brought back in from Legends. Right. And some of us do. And that's okay. <laughs> um, that's okay. But, I mean, at the end of the day, let's also be honest, uh, Mind's Eye is one of the deadest things in canon yes. in the sense that even by the 90s when they started cobbling together the holocron, they knew that couldn't fit because yeah. it was an alternative to Empire Strikes Back, which yeah. doesn't happen. And a lot of people wanted it to fit, but, like, it doesn't fit. It doesn't. No, not, <laughs> it, 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 doesn't. it doesn't fit it doesn't after uh, you know after you get to 1980. Yeah, it the first uh, the first wave of killing off old Star Wars content started there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Vo and Ty show up just as Ben is thinking he doesn't want to fight because the knights are essentially slaughtering everyone. Right. And there's this great line where Ben's like, "That's what we do." In case you missed it, like we kill people, don't you get that? Yeah. And Ben at this point is like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to. Wait, wait let me search his mind. I, I can read people's minds." And he's doing the thing he does to yes. Ray of he's going to the one miner and absorbing all this knowledge and trying to figure it out. And then there's basically he does, and then Ren's like, "Did you get the information? Yeah, great. Kills him. Yes. <laughs> and Ben's like, "You didn't have to do that." <laughs> And what's interesting here is we learn that this is a variant on the Jedi mind trick, that uh, this is something that Snoke showed Ben mm-hmm. how to do, which I find that interesting because it's the first hint we get of like, oh, so maybe Snoke was doing some not just manipulation, but sort of over the airwaves training of Ben while he was still with Luke. 
Well, there's a moment where we see the black voice is connected to Snoke. Yeah. But then there's an additional moment where it tightens down just on his lips. Yeah. And I'll get to the end what I think is going on here. But one of the things that's great is, like you said, he basically implies, well, if the mind trick is forcing a suggestion into someone's head, this is extracting one out of their yes. head. I Yes, I agree. Uh, okay, so Ben fights Ty and disarms him. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Basically, Ty is trying to convince Ven that he can come back to the light. His It's a two-way street. You've only walked so far down the dark road. It is still possible to turn around. And Ben is contemplating this. He's thinking about it. And as he does, Ren kills Ty from behind by snapping well, his neck. Okay, I'm going to give a little nuance to that. So yeah. Ren has been busy with Vo. Vo's yes. been fighting Ren and... And Ren and Vo have been having a, uh, their own little philosophical debate where basically Vo is where she's supposed to be, fighting Darksiders. Like, she's as Jedi as she's ever been because yes. she's not competing with anyone. She knows what's right and wrong, and it's great. And Ren's just kind of, I guess, relishing the, like, spit of fire she has. And he's, like, he's like excited to snuff it out because he's like, I fought your master. And you know what? You ain't nothing compared to him. And yeah. just, like baiting her yeah and on this yeah on this like land bridge basically he draws it down ben disables his lightsaber and he he, and he's looking at ty like like not ready to necessarily agree with ty of like i can come back but willing to hear him out willing to like go it's like you know you have a choice and then ben's like lightsaber off just looking down to the side and then ty's head snaps to the side yeah and for a split second you're like did Ben just do that? Yeah. And then, no, Ren did that. Ren snapped his ne- neck and Ben's like, why did you do that? <laughs> and Ren's like, I kill people. It's my thing. Don't you get this? <laughs> and basically Ren accuses Ben of not wanting to live in the shadow. And so Ben basically brings over Ty's lightsaber and tells Ren that, no, I am the shadow. And starts attacking him, basically fully embracing his dark side. Well, and supplanting <laughs> Ren yeah. by saying, you merely serve the dark. I am the darkness. You yeah. don't know how crappy life's been for me, you punk. Yeah, which is interesting because it's the first time we see Ben try and fight and try and win a fight. And Ren even accuses him of like, have you ever been in a fight where the other person actually wants to kill you? I don't think so. Because that's what yeah. this is here. And as they fight, I, I wish the comic went a little bit deeper, but this is very much just like the same thing I was saying. Like a book would provide more detail. A show would provide more detail. You can well, only do form. so much of that in a short issue. Yeah, exactly. But basically they fight and I'm willing to say Ben overwhelms him. Like it doesn't even seem like it's close. Yeah, there's a certain level of uh, Luke bashing on Vader's arm to, I think, the energy here where yeah. there's just like uh, he is an unrelenting force. Um, he's just he's got two lightsabers and he's just playing them like drumsticks on Ren's defense. Yes. And as he is just going ham on Ren, um, as he's fully channeling the dark side, they yeah. sort of do this this long fall. And I should we should have probably set up the room that they're in is basically layered. So it's like a, a, a cylindrical room. Yeah. And that has walkways kind of lining it. But then in the middle, it's just open. Yeah. And basically Ren and Ben fall. And as he's falling and channeling the dark side, it's interesting because the comic depicts it as sort of this giant lightning bolt, you know, coming down with Ben. 
Yeah. And real quick. Yeah. Right when that happens, we also see the black and red voice yeah. boxes. And now they're connected to the lips of Palpatine. Yes. And then we get this giant two-page spread as they're following, and we're seeing flashes, yes. this electrical storm of, of, I guess, emotion is what they're trying to convey that's here. That's how I'm seeing it, of like the dark side energy that's been building in him yeah. finally being able to be released. That's how I interpreted it, because we see that while this is happening, there are other people throughout the galaxy sensing this. Yeah, because you have Snoke who's like, yes, like very happy that like, ah, you became the thing I wanted to. Yes. You've got, you know, the center where Ben and Ren are falling and fighting and and Ren's like, well, this is my chance to beat you. And Ben's basically like, no, you idiot. This is the chance for you to die. Yes. And (laughs) and then you see Palpatine and one of the last one, which is, I think, the most confusing one was he gets a flash of Ray. Yeah. Which is only because. As you and I have discussed many, many times, this doesn't help anyone figure out the ambiguity of what is the age difference between Ray and Ben. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, cause she looks like she's older than she was when she was abandoned. Yeah. I would agree. Is hard to math that like, it's hard to believe that it's very hard to figure out what their ages are about. Now in the end, I want to say it doesn't matter. It definitely doesn't matter. I would say that based on what we assumed earlier of Ben being like 22, 23, 24. Yeah. That would make her about 12, 13, 14. Which right. I think would work in that picture that we see of her. Right. But that would frame this as being like eight years before uh, The Force Awakens. Which doesn't seem to jive with bloodline. I well, I'm just she's saying, 19 in the Force Awakens. I'm just she saying be we need a Del Rey in the front of the book yeah. timeline. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think it doesn't jive if she's 13. That would be well. But this panel years. shows yeah. a it shows an older looking Ray as as like you yeah. said what you would expect she should be. Yeah. But like she's doing nothing, even though the framing of it is identical to when she was crying when Unker Plot is basically becoming her guardian. That's so true. I feel like it's implying that scene, but that scene had to have happened years before. Yeah, this. but she's in a different outfit. Well, so no, that's, that's what why I don't like, assume it's that same moment. But at the same time, right. then I go, well, then why is she? Why is he seeing a random day of Ray's life? But I don't think he is. She's sensing him. He's not seeing her. Oh, I because she's saying it yeah, feels cold. Yeah, right. I, I don't think Ben si- is seeing Snoke okay. and Palpatine and I, Leia and Ray. I think they're sensing the disturbance in the Force I the see same that. way Obi Wan senses I, the Death Star. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I. I... You interpreted it as Ben is sensing those people. So Ben is sensing Palpatine in that moment is what you're saying. Um. So in my opinion, that is. Yeah. No. I guess the first time I read it, I didn't see it so much as them connecting to him as much as him connecting to them. Oh, I didn't think about it that way at all. That's Uh, interesting. uh, Of I, I. I took it. I think I took it way too much as like his life flashing before his eyes, and and that it's like uh, Snoke would enjoy this, yes. and that that you know Leia would be concerned, and then on the other side, you get I got confused because I'm like like, and I'm thinking he's like seeing a flash of there's this other half to him that he doesn't know yeah. about, and then Palpatine I took as literal because I guess this is as good a time as any. I take very literally the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, yeah, where he's like I'm every voice that's ever been inside your head. 
So when you said like, oh yeah, it's Snoke connected to this black box, I'm like, yes, but that's Palpatine. I think the only time he Snoke actually physically is interacting with him is when he's physically interacting with him. All the force projections, like the tying of, uh, you know, when Snoke takes credit for like, yes, I brought you two together. I bridged your minds. I'm yeah. like, you didn't do that. You're not powerful enough. Palpatine did that. Oh, you are yes. just this instrument. And we're going to blame everything on you because Palpatine doesn't want the galaxy at large to know he's around. So you have been this avatar, this this face for him. But all the heavy lifting has still been that decrepit clone party on Exegol. I agree. So, I, I agree completely. So, I agree that Snoke is literally being he it's like a ventriloquist situation. And That's so how for I me, when it. I saw That's Palpatine fair. on that final panel, I guess the way I just straight up interpreted it was I'm just like, this is the first flash Ben gets that there's something more than Snoke. And then it fades because Ben's in a moment of it, it's 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 That's interesting. It's yeah. just this energy of he is connecting with all the universe for a heart heartbeat yeah. but not long enough for him to understand things i could see that well no i, I think your that. interpretation is much more straightforward and logical now that you're making me think it that way but no but that's i'm gonna have to ponder that i appreciate that okay so we get to the bottom uh, of this this cylinder yeah ben kills ren he impales him during the fall yeah and basically said hey here's your good death yeah I mean, that's what this is, right? So after Ren is dead, he walks over and he stabs Vo, basically saying, why do you even want to live? There is no one left to train you. Yeah, because we see that Vo in the very last moment, she tries to grab her lightsaber. She wants to defend herself. And she even kind of like, not directly, but she pleads for her life a little bit. You can see yeah. the fear on her. Yeah. And and I think at You've got both sides of of Kylo and Ben absorbing that because the evil side of him is like, like, you know, you don't even deserve to live. And he's just killing him. He's like, because now I can kill anyone. I'm over it. Yeah. And the good part of him is like, and you failed as a Jedi. Yeah. 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 He, he's basically like, you're pointless now. You don't have. It's the same. It's kind of that same take. He, you know, he says to Ray of like, you don't have a point in this story anymore. You don't belong here. Yeah. And he just stabs her and at this moment we see all of the knights of ren just bow to ben basically saying uh well he killed ren so i guess he's in charge now and he's a he's a badass we can follow this guy <laughs> and so he becomes the leader of the knights of ren yes uh so basically as the knights are bowing then they all escape in the night buzzard together the knight of ren ship yep. that we see later on in the rise of skywalker that's called the night buzzard and we get this last final scene of Ben bleeding his cracked crystal. Yes. So Ben's crystal, we 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 have a hundred percent confirmation now that Ben Solo's lightsaber, the saber we see him defend himself with Luke, is the same saber that he uses to become as Kylo Ren. Yeah, and and again, this is maybe where I I felt valid because. As he's holding it and red lightning surging out of it as he's basically making it horrible. Yeah, it shudders shorting, and smokes. And yeah. and it's shorting out parts of the ship. There's these dark visions as he's literally thinking of all the good people in his life. And almost he's trying to purge them. Yeah. Yes, I agree completely. He's like basically bleeding out all of his own happy memories mm -hmm. and letting the dark side fully take him. And then he opens up his bloodied hand because he's held it so tight it's 
cut into him. See, I was wondering, was that his blood? I wanted to call that out too. So as he opens up his palm and you see the the, sh- the shattered crystal there. Yeah. Excuse me, pardon me. Is it like blood? That's what your thought was. Is it? Oh, is it just the residue of the Yeah, is it like almost or... like, I almost pictured it as like dust, if that makes sense. I took it as he held it so oh, tight yeah. with so much fervor. I could see that. That he basically impaled it into his hand to the point it cut him. I could see that. I mean, that honestly probably makes more sense. <laughs> Again, the... Good interpretations are yeah. all about, is it the clearest one? Maybe not, but it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like it. I think that does make a lot of sense. Okay, right on. And I love he loads in the lightsaber. He turns it on. There's that shocking energy because it's it's now cracked. It's imperfect. You know, yeah. it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And he drops the lightsaber because it's like shorting out. And we just see these two glowing holes on either side. Where he's got to go like, oh, I guess I got to go put vents on there. (laughs) And as he does, he ignites his cross guard saber for the first time. And in our final panel here, we sort of see Snoke talking to him once again through the force, right? Through that same connection that they are able to share. Um, And it's, what is your name? What is your name? And he doesn't answer except by having a hero pose with the saber ignited in front of it. Yes. And at this moment, we have to interpret it as Ben Solo has ceased to exist. And now we are left with Kylo Ren. Yeah, he's um, he's he's the cool thing I think about this whole comic is it's not really, quote unquote, his fall. You can see how Snoke and the other people around him like you gotta like kill your dad or something. You still haven't gotten to that good death. You still haven't killed anyone you truly care about. Yeah. Right. Like the most cold blooded murder you've done so far is Vo, And you always kind of hated her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like you, you, you're still becoming this creature. You're still got a foot outside of the dark side, even after all of this. In that just goes to show Ben is being pulled towards the light. That same line we get in Force Awakens and we learn about as we go. Ben is constantly, the Force is trying to pull him back towards the good. He is the one fighting against it. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to not be in control. Mm-hmm. He believes that by being on the dark side, he is in control. Well, it, it's it's the fact that there are these dyads, right? The thing with the dyad is the fact of the dyad will lead to balance. And it's not literally like yin yang where it's like, oh, because there's a dark side and a light side and they're friends now. It's like, no, 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 no. It's it's they will lead to literally cosmic balance. And it and the more they try to get away from each other, the more they become polarized before they have to come back. Right. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. you see that um, again, maybe I don't know how effectively they did it, but like you see a little bit of it in Last Jedi and they try to pay it off in, in Rise of Skywalker of the fact that Rey was born to be the dark side. She was born to be this avatar of evil. And during all the events, Kylo Ren's absorbing that energy. So she can just become more heroic and more light side and more positive. And, you know, she's more light side and Jedi like than Luke is in last Jedi. <laughs> you know, it's like, we got to do it. It's the right thing. And like Luke's like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, and, and so by the time we get to Rise of Skywalker, as they get closer to each other, they can balance each other out. And that's why Ben can start 
taking off some of this black garb and just being who he actually is. And Ray can start ex- accepting the fact that she is a Palpatine and that doesn't have to dominate her destiny. She doesn't have to be this darkness. She's been fighting ever since she got started. As Luke put it, like you didn't even try and stop yourself. You just went for it. Yeah. Is because that's what her blood naturally wants her to do. Yeah. And she doesn't have to fight that. That is part of who she is. And she's stronger than that. And again, by the time you get to the end, we see them balanced and Ray gets to continue forward as a balanced creature because she gets to take the essence of Kylo and what he gives her and walks away from this entire situation as mm-hmm. something new. Yes. He, it, it makes me it just makes me want more. This comic yeah. was a great little taste of the history and the story that we wanted there. Yeah. That we see partially in flashbacks and partially through storytelling and partially through implications from other sources. But this is the first concrete thing we have to hold on to of Ben's fall. And I find that to be a very interesting story. And I think with projects like the High Republic, the nice thing is we have something that is a great initiative for us to fill an entire calendar year full of content. Mm -hmm. And I think when we get novels and comics and stories that push the ball forward on the plot points we're asking for here. Yeah. I think they'll be, they'll be better because there won't be as much vagueness there because they'll be like, Oh, well this is the one book about the sequel era this year. And you know, that's the one book about the prequel era. And that's the one book about like, there'll be less content tied to the movies or need to be tied to the movies. So I think we'll have more meaningful stories that are building up the franchise. Whereas the high Republic is our great giant canvas to tell all kinds of different levels of stories. So we don't have to have a little Kylo Ren comic like this, which is four issues, which you and I both could go like, yeah, this could be six, 12, a novel. I would have been fine with any of those choices. I like what we have, but I could have had a lot more of this. And I think we'll have the opportunity to do that because the comic book slate will be filled with a lot of new stories that can, can be the four issue comics that I would rather have this been longer. Right. Well, here's to hoping because Charles Soule, the writer of this, is writing the first novel in the High Republic series. Yeah. So here's to hoping that this will be really his first uh, swing at a novel. And uh, hopefully maybe we'll get a Kylo Ren novel later on from him. Yeah. No, no. And he definitely gets the character. So I I definitely would love to read more of him. So it's very good. All right. Ready to head over to the uh, final thoughts? Let's wrap it up. Here we are at another end to another adventure here in Star Wars All In. Our first comic review. Our first big comic review. Yeah, we did Dark Horse last week. We covered all of that. And that was a lot. But yeah. But this is our first canon comic review where we really went uh, in depth to a particular series. Right, right, right. We were going more like a little more page by page, a little more play by play. And I got to say, I had a lot of fun. I definitely prefer when we include more detail. 
compared to less, even yeah. if it makes our record times a lot longer, which I always which it enjoy. Yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> this for me, I, so, you know, we've talked about this a lot lately, but in the last couple of months, I have kind of come around to some of the parts of Star Wars that I wasn't necessarily always as big of a fan of. Mm-hmm. So animated Star Wars, we've talked about that at length when we covered the Clone Wars and you know, movies like The Rise of Skywalker and Rogue One, where they weren't initially my favorite, I have definitely come around to them a lot more. And comics are sort of the final part of that for me. This is mm-hmm. sort of the comic that made me really want to get into some of the weeds. I'd read sure. issues here and there of the new you know, Marvel comics since 2015, but not all of it. And uh, since we read this, well, since this Kylo comic came out, because I did read this one month to month, which is pretty rare for me. You know, I I bought (laughs) them and uh, had physical copies shipped to me so I could read them uh, as they came out. But this is sort of the first one that inspired me to go check out more of the comics. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll have some more comic content coming down the pipe later. And I do want to mention, so you can get this um, basically digitally, um, but I would really urge you that if you have the means to contact, like Ross did, a comic book shop that's doing shipping and stuff Mm -hmm. to get any back issues. Now, right now, as we record this, it's early April and uh, comic books aren't running right now. Um, Basically, the major publications, most of them either are not able to distribute because Diamond Distributing is down or they've chosen not to until some of the weirdness of the world goes away mm-hmm. so again if you have the ability and this is just a good psa for when we are on the other side of this if you're listening to this future person um support your local comic book stores they're very grassroots companies they always have been uh they're always like you know mom and pop shops sole proprietorships small partnerships so they definitely need your help if you can give it to them um so buy print if you can if not i mean you know again the industry definitely still needs your support even if it's on digital um, I would just really beg you, don't pirate them. You know, <laughs> these and artists and writers need your money. They do. And here's <laughs> the thing I want to point out too, because this uh, Kylo Ren comic has been a little historical in the fact that all four issues have had to have multiple printings. Mm-hmm. The first issue, I think, went through four print runs. That's wow. how popular That's it was. Um, and I want to point out, because some of those individual issues may be a little bit tougher to get, uh, on May 12th of 2020, mm-hmm. the uh, collection of all four issues will the be coming paperback. out. Yeah. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Um, that's how I prefer to buy most of my comics. Sure. Um, is in the collective by works. Arc, by arc. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, you know, if you, if you want the individual issues, they're out there. If you don't and don't want to you know, spend as much money and go to as many uh, hard lengths to get it. Yeah. The trade paperback is pre-ordering right now on Amazon for about $14. So yeah. So like you said, nothing if crazy. You, if you enjoy it, definitely support the people that created it and the people that bring yeah. it to you mm-hmm. um, as best you can. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's, it's some really good stories. There's some really, as much as I sound like a sourpuss about it, like there's some really good stuff in, in Marvel's run, especially I, I like a lot of their, like this, these little arcs, mm-hmm. like like Lando, Princess Leia. There's a Poe Dameron comic. Like those are really good. They're ongoing story. Like I mentioned earlier, I think the one thing I would say is don't really sweat if you haven't read the previous issues. Just hop in because one of the good bad things about comic books is they are meant to be read when they're published. And so if you're like, well, who's Dr. Afra? Like, don't worry. They'll tell you enough that you need to know for the arc that you're in. That's how comic books work. The thing that's so great about the Star Wars, the main line specifically, and a lot of them, is they start with an opening crawl. Yeah. Every issue. Mm-hmm. So they do help you set the scene if you are jumping in for the first time. Um, also, if you're not familiar, you want to read comics, Marvel Unlimited 
Matt, yeah. you could speak to that better than I could. I say but... the majority of uh, the Star Wars comics I've generally read have been that. The only downside is, again, that ephemeral nature, the fact it's it's temporary is like, I'm always about six months behind where the world is. Yeah. Because that is Marvel, again, protecting comic book shops, protecting the the people that make this stuff go by saying, hey, if you want this story when it's happening, yeah. you need to go buy a comic book. If you're not so worried about that, essentially, as Marvel sees it, their entire back catalog, which is excruciatingly hard to collect if you want to, like, I want to read all the X-Men from uh, the reboot in X-Men number one in the 90s forward. I'm like, yeah, that's like a couple grand to get that going. I tell you what, here's Marvel Unlimited. You could start wherever you want and move through it. And I'll be honest, Marvel Unlimited, I think, is maybe humble myself by going like, Oh, comic books have always been this. They have always been this thing that happens at the moment. And yeah. yes, they're commenting on today's world. And yes, some of it's flimsy. And you can tell when writers and artists changes. And it's it's okay. And I don't know if the Star Wars comics really do that because I've been mostly not doing them. Yeah. Do they do um do they do references? A classic thing in comic books is like like, oh look, it's Wolver- Wolverine. Yeah, I remember when we fought you in Canada. And it'll just have a little box that says, see issue blah 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 for that story. So I've only so I've read about the first year and a half of Star Wars and Darth Vader, which were like the two big runs yeah. when uh Marvel kind of took back over the comic publishing. Uh I have seen one of those types of references so okay, far. So, so I don't think they're So I'm gonna go back to classic comic yeah, book advice here. Yeah. My advice to you. Just buy whatever interests you right now and just get in now and don't worry too much about what you've missed yeah. because comics aren't meant to be done that way. They are not meant to for you to go read everything that's happened up to this point. They are you'd hop in the stream wherever you are. You start finding the characters you like. You keep sailing down the river. It's fine. Yeah. If you are the person who needs to read these stuff before you can enjoy it. Um, nice thing is you don't have to go too far back to catch up with now because they reset their universe in a lot of ways and kind of move the starting line up to like more of an empire strikes back era time yep. frame. Yep. And the other thing I'll also mention is if you look around on the internet, there are always reading lists. There are someone who will tell you like, okay, well, if you want to know everything in the order that we had it revealed to or the proper order to, Pick up all the threads as you Mm -hmm. move forward. Someone will give you a reading list. Just search for Star Wars reading list. And they'll tell you what issues to read in what order to essentially weave the story correctly. Now, understand with the delays and stuff that comic books has, this is better than the people who got it when they were reading it. Yes. But uh, I just really encourage you just if you're interested in comic books, dive in. Just find something that interests you yeah. and then spiral out from there. Mm-hmm. Because like if the Kylo Ren comic is everything to you, you read it, you're like, this is awesome. You don't have to read any more if you don't want to. That's true. You it's could great. You in and done. And it and that's that's the fun thing about comic books is it's it, it's as mu- it's an all you eat can all you can eat buffet. You can eat yourself until you feel sick, or you can just pick and choose what you want to eat and and I would really encourage you, don't be a completionist about comic books. It's not worth it. Just have fun with it. It can be a lot. Um, this is, like Max said, a great time to get into Star Wars books in general. Uh, and let me just explain in slightly more detail in case sure. you don't know. Um, the first three years, sorry, first four years of Star Wars comics, uh, the main line, the main run, were Star Wars comics that take place between episodes four and episodes five. Mm-hmm. And when Mac talks about it being reset... Basically, they start over again at issue one, mm-hmm. and now issue one takes up after Empire Strikes Back. 
So if you're someone who likes one particular era, Mm -hmm. like for me, there is some weird stuff in that initial four years of Star Wars comics. But I also love seeing the lines painted in of what were our characters doing between the movies. Mm -hmm. So for me, that is a really great, it's kind of light reading, if that makes sense. I mean, comics in general are pretty quick and light and easy to get through. But when you have four or five years worth you're catching up on, if you do want to yeah. really dive in, there is enough there for you to do it. Absolutely. But like I said, if you want a softer start, you can just yeah. start with the Empire era stuff. You know yeah. the story of Empire. Yeah. You'll be good. Um, and they'll explain anything yeah. that you don't know. And and last but not least, like I said, just just enjoy it. If you're like, I want to read that Poe Dameron comic and that's all, go for it. It's, it's fine. Most of these stories, other than the main line, which specifically tells you you should read one, two, current yeah. kind of thing. Um, but they go in arcs. So even yeah. if you pick up, I don't know, issue, what are they on issue? Like seven or eight, seven or eight. There's probably been at least one or two arcs in that. So you can still probably pick up the newest issue today and be okay. Yes, totally. So, Absolutely agree. Um, yeah. So comics are great. We hope you, uh, enjoyed our deep dive. Let us know. Uh, we can do more deep dives. We can also not do more deep dives. Do you like all of our episode being focused on one thing. Do you like our smorgasbord of normally three or four topics that are all over the place? Uh, let us know in social media. So um, anything else? No, Mac. I'm feeling pretty good about it. It's a nice sunshiny day. I'm going to go have some lunch. Rock and roll. Well, I'm Mac. I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020. So now we're on to issue three. So Ben arrives on Varnak. He has sought out the knights and is interesting because we're like, oh, okay. So what happened at the end of the last issue a month ago, you were about to fight your apprentice, you know, the rest of the apprentices. And now you're just, we skipped. Now we're at a bar. (laughs) We're like, oh, okay. And then we realize, no, no, this comic is going to do what it's done. And that's tell us things through stories. So Ren basically tells Ben that, hey, uh, to join us, you need to have a good death and we're not so sure you've killed Luke Skywalker. So we're not going to count that one. Um, (laughs) We need to hear another story. 
And Ben basically then recounts his story of his fight on Elfrona, which is the planet we had just left in issue two. Can I just say one other thing that really confused the hell out of yeah, me at the beginning of this? Ren has his helmet back? Even though Ben just had his helmet so on that So I found planet. that very interesting, yeah. too. I, I had to stop and one? think about it. I assume he has more than one. It has to be. Yes. And that, and again, I, I don't think it's not. I think it's intentional. The author's like, hey, remember that cliffhanger? Not going to talk to about it. For, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. Skip that for a minute. Yeah. You figure out what's going on. I'm like, I can't figure out what's going on. It's like, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> now, I do want to point out, though, that Ren, as Ben starts to explain what he did, Ren says to Ben... I need to know about more about these people that you killed to determine if it was good death. Basically, what Ren is saying is the same thing that, you know, Sidious has kind of hinted at and the dark side. It's, it's the same trope. But basically, you need to kill someone you're close to to prove that you do not have attachments to anything but the dark side. Right. And we don't believe you actually killed Luke because that seems impossible. None of us can beat him. Do you love people? Do you like collecting knickknacks? Well, the yeah. Sith nor the Jedi have yeah. a place for you. Now, here's the thing, and I just want to throw this out of the way because this was in my mind the entire time because I want to put at this point, we've seen the rise of Skywalker. Yes. So here we have Snoke who apparently loses to Luke, right? Because he's damaged by him. We have the Knights of Ren who ran himself like no no i'm no match for luke skywalker after that last showing of force that's why i had to use like a death grenade on my lightsaber yeah and that was like 10 years ago so like now geez right <laughs> so how would luke have fared if he had gone up against palpatine you know that's the interesting question for me here thinking about that so we have these characters who are both sort of these arms these assets of palpatine out in the shadows mm -hmm. how would you know, Palpatine, who's in this sort of deteriorated clone body. Well, I get this sensation that with the defeat of Snoke specifically, yeah. we see that Luke is in his prime. He is, yeah. he's blossomed into the full yeah. version of himself. The, yeah. the wise Jedi master who's also young enough that age hasn't really touched him yet. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I think is very interesting about this is between that little moment we see of Luke and Lauren and Ben fighting the Knights of Ren and because of what we can assume about Snoke, Luke is very much a Jedi in that he's not killing any of these people. You know, we get the impression he defeats okay. Snoke. Okay, let's be let's be yeah. let's, let's go deep a little bit with just you and me talking for a yeah. second. Didn't it remind you um when he basically says, Ren, like you need to leave, like yeah. after I've completely and totally defeated you. Like didn't it remind you of that passage in Battlefront 2 where we see the same thing, where Luke has the opportunity to kill a lot more people? And he goes, yeah. why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm a Jedi. Like, yeah. And you're just like, yeah, straight white hat good guys. I remember those. Yeah. And like Luke's a really good person. Yeah. And I love that. I I agree completely. I agree completely. So it to me is interesting here to kind of think about, okay, where do all the because what we have here, this entire thing with Ben is a power play. It's the dark yeah. side fighting against the light and basically saying, well, the dark side doesn't feel like it's powerful enough right now in its current state to take on Luke directly. Mm -hmm. So they've got to do this indirect thing, which in turn is just history repeating itself. It's the same thing Sidious did to Anakin. Well, with Luke Skywalker rising in the force and becoming this beacon of light. Yeah. Palpatine is desperately searching and trying to create the counterbalance. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, 
building up the first order, yeah. whether that's Snoke and yeah. cloning himself or, or his essence into yeah. a new new dark side devotee, yes. or whether it's this band of misfits that yes. he probably gave information to for them to find Sith artifacts of yes. uh, the Knights of Ren. Um, and Ben is one of his projects, one of his many, well, it could be him, could be this kid. Right. Like, I don't feel that Palpatine knows where the answer is going to be. And I think at some level, I would love to read a comic where Palpatine's unsure. Yeah. I, I would love to see Palpatine going like, maybe I screwed it up. Like we had it all. And I did the same thing the Jedi did. I tried to exterminate the light. And of course it freaking showed back up. Yep. Like, cause I love that Snoke speaks in issue two about balance because yeah. the biggest players understand there isn't total victory. Yeah, it's interesting. They right? keep lying to themselves. There is, but they know there isn't. <laughs> so okay, yes. So we have Ren basically talking about it's like yeah, I had to fight my friends, and then it's like you know before, and he's just in this great pose where he's holding all three of them off. Yeah, with a force push and a lightsaber block, yeah. and then we go actually like right from there to reminiscing about his time training. Yeah. So Ben explains that Vo was his rival, basically trying to be better than him at every turn, but she was angry that she could never catch up to his prowess and his expertise. And I love this because there's this great moment of Luke training though here that we get. This is when you told me it's going to be a topic is like, you sent me this clip. I did. You took a screenshot of this with like your phone. You just took a picture of your comic book and said, like, we need to talk about this on the show. <laughs> we do. And and I still feel that way that yeah. this is the most interesting stuff here. Kind of back to what I was saying a moment ago in topic two about I want to see more younger Luke training younger apprentices. But basically, there's this great line here where Vo is like, why is Ben so much better than me? I work hard. You know, I do all of our routines. I practice with my saber. I, you know, I do everything. Mm -hmm. Why is he better than me? And Luke basically goes, Ben isn't more powerful you. You know, the force is like a doorway. Uh, everybody's door can open wide, but some people's door just starts out a little bit more widely opened. And that's how he describes Ben's advantage of like, yeah, Ben started out with an advantage, but that doesn't mean he's more powerful than you or that you can't catch him or be as powerful or as masterful of the force as he is. Yeah. It just takes that time and practice, but anyone has the ability. He refers to the, the force as like, it's like water. It could be a trickle. It could be a river. It could be a deluge, but it doesn't matter. It's how does it flow through you? How open is your gate yeah. to let it through yeah. through you, which is fantastic because it's articulated something that we already know. The dark side is quicker. The dark side and access to it is faster. Um, and we can kind of see this is the the splinter of um, Vo's existence. Is she always has a little bit of dark side open to her because she's jealous. Yeah, totally. She's just straight up jealous. She thinks that it's a contest to be won, that I want to be the strongest and the yeah. fastest. Yeah, very much that Anakin mentality in a way. You know, Ben's stronger than me, and that's okay. Well, it shouldn't be. <laughs> It shouldn't be. I'm not I, the Jedi. I tried I'm harder than him. That's yeah. not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ben goes on to explain that Hennix was the problem solver, trying to understand the force. And uh, we also see Hennix here basically uh, messing with a holocron. Trying to open it. Right. Which I thought was a cool. And then he, uh, he eventually does. Right. Yep. Um, so we have Hennix here with the holocron. Uh, we see. And also, uh, I want to point out here, we also believe that. This is another High Republic tie-in. 
this character Correct. that you know comes out of the holocron uh and then we see ty and ben and basically this is kind of a nice little one-on-one moment where we learn a little bit about ben's mindset here ty basically asks him you know why he struggles to be who he wants to be uh why are you trying to live up to this legacy um you know you need to be you need to be free of that you need to grow beyond your family history and what you're meant to be and be who you want to be, who you feel in your heart that you're supposed to be. Yeah. And that's an interesting one because I wonder if that little conversation there is one of the things that pushes Ben farther and basically is like, uh, well, you know, he was telling me, uh, I need to be, you can hear Ty basically just saying, you need to be you, Ben, just stop worried about whether you're solo or Skywalker or whatever. You just need to be Ben kind of thing. Right. And there's a certain level of like, yeah, in a in you know a decade and a half from now, he's going to twist that and break that into kill the past. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> I think you're probably right about that. It's gonna have that moment where, um, oh, we should mention we did mention this episode. A running theme that is played up in this scene is Snoke asked uh, Ben like, "What is your uh, you know." your name's Ben Solo is like, no, I hate that name. I want to get rid of it. We, we talked all about that, but we didn't talk about the fact of like, he mentions that as a child, he had another name for himself, but it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really go into it a lot there, but I find that to be this interesting point of like, Oh, okay. You've thought about this before about who you want to be, who you feel like you could be. And this conversation with Ty is kind of just addressing the fact of like, you need to be who you are, Ben. And and you could just feel in the room, Ben in his own mind, just going like, Ben's not my real name. My real name is Kylo. <laughs> like, and that's fine because it, it will, it will play up in the last piece of this entire arc too. Um, but it's, it's, it's that he has a secret inside of him of a person who's is detached from all this legacy. The person he sees as himself. Yes, I agree. Now, the thing about this I also want to point out here, because we get these really great character moments, but we also get this great moment of um, kind of the Jedi garb that they're wearing here. Oh, yeah. You know, they they have these great sort of like robes that are held on just by their shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, the, these cloaks. And, um, you know, the, the, it's reminiscent of the Jedi we know, but still a little bit newer, a little bit more bold if that makes sense a little bit more well, ornate. and they're also a little more individualized mm, it's mm-hmm, not as mm-hmm. like yes if you saw them in a room you go oh it's a group of jedi but it it reminds me less of the prequels and more of like when you see like rogue squadron where like oh they're all vaguely in jumpsuits <laughs> some are r- orange and some are gray and those two helmets look different and <laughs> yeah like there's a certain amount of individuality to them that is not really present in most of earlier stories about Jedi Knights. Yeah. Um, You're right. You're right. And that's the thing I like about this issue, particularly, is that we spend that time meeting them just a little bit more. Yeah. So basically, we get back to the fight now, where um, Ben jumps high, trying to avoid the fighting, but Vo follows him. And Ben basically force pushes her off of a cliff, uh, with her sort of antagonizing him. Yeah, she kind of, it's the same, it's almost the same trick she tries in episode, issue one, yeah. where she's basically doing a leaping attack at him and he catches her with the force and chucks her back the direction she came. <laughs> and the way that she's coming, it's throwing her back into the canyon where this, you know, this temple is. 
And from the perspective that Hennix has, he says, is like, oh, you killed her. <laughs> like, there's no way she'll recover. What she, he doesn't get to really see is that, like, Ty basically uses the force to try and cushion her and, and soft drop her. Yeah. He, she ends up flying, like, right into him. Yeah. So basically, as she jumps, Ben sort of pushes her back. Ben is trying to hold her from following, f- from falling. Because he didn't mean Ty, to kill her. Right. <laughs> Ty is trying to stop. And Hennix, who thinks she's dead, throws his saber at Ben. Right. Well, in a moment of instinct, Ben reflects the saber, blocks it back. And as it comes spinning back at Hennix, he goes, oh, no, I can solve this. I can solve this. And as he tries to catch the saber, it cuts him down. Right. So it's very much Ben's kill of a Padawan, but it's very indirect. It, it's like very said, much it's a, a moment of instinct. Move. He, yeah. he, he defended himself, which caused a lethal counterattack. Yes, exactly. So this is an interesting one because this is the death that Ben is describing here. But back on Alfrona, um, or I'm sorry, back with, uh, you know, his story being told to Ren. Basically, Ren is like, I don't know if that's good enough. It sounds like you didn't really want to kill. Well, it sounds like it Ren, just happened. Ren delivers, I think, the best line that sums up Kylo Ren's fall. You've been fighting this every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, and he is. We see that. Ben is just trying to escape. He's not necessarily trying to kill. He only even really fights back when he gets angry. And after that, he basically just takes Ty and Vo and shoves them, like chases them into the temple and then just crashes the two Jedi statue yes. to lock them in there. And and, and we get the implication because, you know, Ty's there yelling, Ben, that like they're not there forever. It's just enough for him to get away from. Ben. Yes, they're stuck, but not destroyed. He didn't try to kill them again. again. He's not <laughs> trying to kill them. <laughs> exactly. So we basically go back to. um Elfrona here we see those Padawans escaping the rubble and then finally we get Ben's new look he is now out of his Jedi garb and dressed in an all black Knights of Ren style attire I do want to point out he has (laughs) saber held on his back Mm -hmm. which I thought was just a ridiculously awesome choice yeah, it, it is kind of ridiculous. He's got the, the lightsaber up over his left shoulder, but yeah. he's also got a blaster pistol now hung like his dad, like on yes. his leg shoulder. Yes, very much so. I love this. We see in the sequel trilogy this uh, this combination of Jedi using both lightsabers and blasters. I mean, really, we only see Rey and Rey do it a little bit. I don't think Ben ever actually uses the blaster here in this comic or in the future comics, but I like that idea of that Jedi are still carrying blasters. Yeah. There are still times when that will be used or be necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's interesting. That that to me is a... These are less civilized Jedi. They, do, they need blasters. They are. They are. But it, yes, I mean, that's how I think of it. I think of it in the way we think of like an old Republic character who would also have a blaster. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah. And our story sort of ends where Ren basically like, okay, well, you're going to ride with us. We're going to go do some missions. Come on. And meanwhile, back at the temple, we see yeah. Vo and Ty getting themselves out of that temple and coming to the reality of Hennix was murdered by Ben and they take it as cold blooded. Yeah. And, and Ty is basically at this point, okay, he's serious. This is now serious. Yeah. Ben can't be saved. We have to take him out. Yeah. And, and again, I think they did a very good job in the art of 
showing this just the angles of the cliffs so that that whole situation, Ben is the only witness to what actually went down mm-hmm. and how it's just a series of accidents yeah, rather than him being just a monster. Totally. Um, but that so sums up Ben Solo's. Ben, I mean, that's him. Yeah. His whole life is controlled by other people. Yeah. That's ultimately his arc. Yeah. I mean, that's his story is his whole life is controlled by other people and he's fighting against his life being controlled. He wants to be in control of his own destiny. And and again, ironically, like much like Anakin keeps basically setting himself up for more of it. Yes, 100 percent. But that is the folly of knowledge, right? You yeah. think you have an understanding of something. And then you realize, oh, no, I am not actually beyond this. I mean, at one point, Ben achieves what Vader couldn't. He's leading the First Order, Mm -hmm. right? And then he still falls into the seduction of more power. Well, it's because Ben's chasing something he'll never achieve. He wants to be someone who isn't controlled by his destiny, and he doesn't even know who that guy is. That's Yes, he doesn't know who he is. And we ultimately learn that he is the other half of Rey. Yeah, that I mean, we we uh, that's how I interpret it. That's how I interpret this comic. Well, the, is the point is, uh, the, the point is he's Ben Solo. He's fighting that because he thinks Ben yeah. Solo means all these things. It doesn't. Yeah, uh, because like the perfect example is just he's like, well, you know, it's that Skywalker blood that makes me who you are. No one told you that. No, yeah. no one's telling you that you're telling yourself that. Mm-hmm. And Stokes like, oh, well, you have this great power and stuff stuff. You could be the next Vader. And it's like no one told you to be Vader. You, yeah. Like like what I mean by it is like everyone encouraged you to be yourself and you kept n- not wanting to define yourself. You kept trying to find things right to define you. Right. And at the end of Rise of Skywalker is where he finally just goes like. I don't know what's going on. I don't really care. I'm just going to do what I feel is right. If that means slaughtering all the Knights of Ren, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. If it means saving this girl, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm done questioning myself. Yeah. I'm happy to just be me for the first time in my life. Yeah, totally. And we see that in this last issue that we're going to go and talk about next, how he sort of embraces who he thinks he's supposed to be. Right. So, Mac, anything else about issue three? No, I think because it was mostly fights, it's an easier conversation to go through. All right. Well, then hopefully issue four will be easy in the same way. Let's head there now.